Okay, let's start the show. It's April 11th, 2013. Welcome to This Is Only a Test, the official podcast of Tested.com. That microphone was a little too hot. And those are my headphones. Those, I t- it turns out I was adjusting your knob, not mine. My ears are on fire. How, Please don't adjust my knob. Uh, I'm Will Smith. Joining me today, Norman Chan. Hello. How are you doing, Norm? Uh, it's nice and sunny outside. It is a gorgeous day outside. I, I wish, wish I had ice cream. I wish I wasn't wearing jeans. I'm, I'm glad of, you're wearing jeans. Me too. I'm I can take them off right now if you yeah, guys want. Right. Just say the word. Wesley Fenland taking the third seat at the end of the table. How are you Hello. doing, sir? I'm pretty well. Doing pretty well. You're doing your your your. You had a sunny morning as well. I've been up since five today. Yeah, I went to bed at four today. So did you get up at five? No, I got up at like because that would eight. be worse than I will. My alarm went off at seven thirty. I was like, no, I'm just I'll shower fast this morning. So I just closed my eyes and went back to sleep for another hour. We're both on four hours though. Yeah, yeah, something like that. But that's kind of your daily life now, right? Um, I think if you do it by choice, you cannot complain. Well, it's not my fucking choice that the baby didn't sleep last night. Yeah, I had 45 seconds of fun like a year ago, and I'm still suffering every day. Well, um, no, I, she's I, sleeping I think much a baby better. Is a privilege. She woke up pissy last night. She slept really well for about an hour, and then is that literally during, pissy? As in, she well, the thing about babies is that the moment that you put the diaper on them, they piss every time. It's like that's, that's it's a like, bad thing to train it them is to do. A reflex. I, I, it's like she's like, oh, it's warm and cozy in here. I was cold a minute ago, but now everything's cool. Relax. Um, the sleeping thing is, it's, she's been really easy for the most part, but the last couple of days, for whatever reason, maybe she has a little cold or allergies or something, but she's, she's, uh, she's not liking sleeping. Uh, she sleeps everywhere and every time that she should sleep, except for when it's time to go to bed. So what ends up happening is that instead of going to bed at like midnight or one, you go in, take her to bed, and then she's up and down and up and down. And she... She does the, she does the the like the terrorism thing, the thing that they did to terrorists, where they wait until just the moment you start to fall asleep, and then she starts screaming. So that's pretty awesome. Aren't there? Didn't Gary say there were special nannies that help watch the baby just at night? I don't know about you, but I don't have Book of Eli money to pay special baby sleep specialists to come into the house, and, and, and uh, then they make you breakfast as well. Really? That's that's what Gary said, right? Oh my they're, god. They're, they come at night so you can go to sleep and they watch the baby Mostly. and then uh, they clean clean up and they leave in the morning. They cook you breakfast. So, so like you, you wake, wake up, up and the baby's had a great night's sleep and ha- has been taken care of and is alive and you also get breakfast. That would be, in a house the size of mine, that would be really weird because I, it's a small house. I think the poor equivalent of that is just give your baby drugs and make it fall asleep and then yeah. make microwave sausage in the morning. Or have an invisible baby yeah, or just named put the eight mi- hours of sleep at night. What you do is you put the, the microwave sausage in the in the microwave the night before and set the timer on the microwave to not fire for eight hours. That's like somebody's making breakfast for yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. The microwave is. I um, Our house is so small that it would be weird if... The, the nanny was there because like she'd come into the room and walk beside the bed where my wife and I are sleeping to get some the baby. Real, real paranormal activity. Yeah, it would be really freaky. I don't want that. It was bad enough when we had guests in the house all the time. All right. Um, so we went to the Exploratorium this morning. 
Should we talk about this? We explored. It is, it is definitely on the list of things to talk about. I'm going to jump right. I'm getting right right into it. I'm putting in the idle chit chat part at the beginning of the show instead of in the what we've been testing section. Wow. I want to talk about Roger Ebert. You want to talk about Roger? Oh, oh I, I totally talk about Roger Ebert. I mean, talk about Roger Ebert. So we're going to talk about idle chit chat. Are we going to talk about the threes first? Because there were four this time. Um, yes, there were four this time. It was Roger Ebert. It was Margaret Thatcher. Margaret Thatcher. It was the, uh, what's Annette the Funicello. The, the, if the Mouseketeer. Mouseketeer actress. Mostly um, Mouseketeer. She was in a couple movies. She, she, yeah, she had she a resurgence in Triple this. Threat. Yes. Um, and then, uh, what's his name? The director, um, Les... Uh, his name escapes me right now. He's in Berkeley. He shot a ton of movies. Les Banks? Les Banks. Oh. That was the fourth. I said that with such excitement because I knew who you were talking about. But you did not, not know he that he had passed away? I did, oh, okay. but... I, I felt like there was another fourth. I shouldn't though. be excited about that. I mean, well, I think let's leave. There was a that. fifth. Okay, so let's talk about Ebert. He 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 was a movie critic, film critic. He was the original movie critic. I don't think he was the original, but he was the he was the. the I, I, I think you could. In the modern wave of movie criticism, when they transitioned from recounting plots and who was in the movie, I, I would not call that criticism to criticism. Then yes, he was the if in the, he was I, one of the first wave of movie critics. If you look at it that way, yes. One of my favorite comments about him that somebody made after he died uh, was that he he basically turned movie criticism into entertainment. Like that was kind of his, and he was a good critic. But his kind of greatest contribution to movie criticism is with you know him and Siskel and Ebert at the movies and stuff. They they made people care about movie criticism in a very different and way he, than they he, had When he won his, his Pulitzer for movie criticism, he was one of the first people who actually approached movies academically. Uh, in, in, in but like as a, as, as a... As a form of reviewing movies. Right. Um, not just, you should watch it because it's funny, and you should watch it because... This will make you lull. Yeah. Uh, you should watch it because in comp- you know, it pulls from this and that, and, and it says some th- interesting thing about humanity and... And that was that was a big thing, um, and that form of criticism uh, applies to all forms of criticism now. Um, well, it's the it's the big transition that games criticism has been trying to make for the last ten years, well, uh, or threatening to make for the last ten years. Any any, any form of media. Yeah, but mu- well, music. I, I think music kind of led the way with that, right? Because if you look at what happened, I don't know what with the Rolling time, Stone. The, yeah, Rolling Stone in this in the sixties. Rolling Stone was not about. Criticism that was more about interviews. Well, in and the old the days, back, the backstory. In the old days, there was a, a serious criti- critical aspect to that. The stuff that, the stuff that was depicted kind of weirdly in Almost Famous with um, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character, who was Lester, supposed to be Lester Bangs. I mean, I guess he was called Lester Bangs in the movie, but he was a fictionalized Lester Bangs, not the real. Anyway, the upshot is that stuff was happening at the same time with music, and I don't, I don't know which came first when I think about it. Because I mean, Ebert started Ebert in like '69, right? He started doing movie stuff, like actual criticism, in the '70s, basically, okay. early '70s. So, but right. but right, your, his his former criticism became not only uh, smart way to look at movies, but also very entertaining as well. And I don't think we've had a format like Siskel and Ebert, um, because when even even when uh, Ebert pulled in Richard Roper, Richard Roper was from the Sun Times as well. Yeah, uh, and the big. The big thing with Siskel and Ebert was that they were competitors. Uh, they were the the top. Well, they were the fat guy and the skinny guy. They were the short well, guy and the tall the, guy. They were, they were the you know they were the duo. One was from the Tribune and yeah. one was from the Sun Times, and it's as if 
I don't know if what's, what's a good uh, comparison today um, would be a good comparison. Well, yeah, there, at there, least, uh, let's just use games as an example. Um, it would be as if back when Jeff Green, if he got on a, a podcast with Gary. When they were both editors of competing yeah. PC so gaming CCW magazines. CCW and, and PC Gamer yeah. going yeah. at it. That's a very specific reference, and and that would th- that that would have been amazing. Well, but, but at that time too, there was a lot of competition because that was the morning paper and the evening paper, right? Wasn't one the morning paper and one was the evening paper I in do, Chicago? Do not know. I, I know one came a day early. What do you mean? Chicago also was early edition. Oh, wow! That was a one I, did come a day. Well, wasn't that Ron Livingston? That was not Ron Livingston. That There's was a guy who looks like Ron Livingston. No, no, no. It was a uh, Friday Night Lights guy. Oh, that's right, uh, Coach Taylor. What's actor Friday Night Lights? Coach Taylor. Coach Taylor, yeah. yeah. Come on, something um, Chandler. Kyle Chandler. Kyle Chandler. Yeah, Coach early, Taylor. Early edition. Um, this episode of Early Edition, when there was a crossover with Martial Law. Was Martial Law about a cop named Marshall? No, Martial Law was it Marshall was from the How I Met Your Mother? Hung martial arts cop wow. with Arsenio Hall as the sidekick. It was basically Rush Hour. <laughs> but <laughs> oh, with, my God. With You're selling a, this a, hard. A fat dude. A uh, martial arts guy. I so um, deeply regret I've never seen that show. It is amazing. It was in the era of Nash Bridges. Uh, now, Nash Bridges, they destroyed some cars all, on that one like hill. The first wave of CBS procedurals with a twist. Huh. Um, so everybody kind of loves, everybody loves Ebert or like at least appreciates, you know, what he did for movies, for movie criticism. But did you guys watch Ebert? Before we watched Cisco and Ebert when I was a kid, on it was on syndicated on like Saturday morning. At the movies, yeah, at the movies. Yeah, they sat in the balcony. I did a little bit. Um, It was really boring when you were a little kid, but it was awesome when you were like ten. It was. It was awesome because you can watch the clips now, and they're all archived online, and you can tell they were very fierce competitors because they would each try to have. They would try to have the line, not only the last word, but also I guess they would take turns introducing the movie and. You could tell when Siskel was doing his spiel and reviewing a movie, Ebert was just waiting to say something the whole time. Well, so as a kid, as a little kid, I was always bummed when when the movies came on because it meant the cartoons were over on Saturday morning or Sunday morning, whatever day it was. As I got older, I became more and more interested in that movies because I was I, I, it was an interesting it was an interesting to watch them kind of deconstruct film in a longer format in a way that I would never have been exposed to otherwise. Really, and it wasn't re- really that long of a format. It was like six minutes per, right? They were pretty long reviews. They showed a clip. They talked they, about they, yeah. it. They did. They, they I mean, they had gave to their do feedback. A movie review had to yeah. do. Compare that to the newspaper where it's a paragraph. It's like three sentences. Oh, no. Yeah, it's more than that. A Depends of, on the film. A, a lot of newspapers will have a section of like, here are the new releases this week. Here's what's playing in town. And you get a tiny little blurb that's like mm-hmm. two or three sentences about a movie. And like, two stars. This movie has explosions. It's like the, uh, the DVR plot synopsis. And, and another great thing about Roger Ebert was that he was he would ne- was never too high and mighty to like a, a, a movie. A dumb movie. Ma- a dumb movie. Yeah. Um, he appreciated movies of all kinds. And he really thought movies... Uh, at least from what I've read, movies were uh, a, a great window into humanity, and they let you experience the life of someone else. Um, the best thing about movies was that they would let you experience the life of someone else that you would never, that ex- an experience that you would never have in your own life, um, whether it's someone from different class or gender or different part of the world. So the other thing that happened, I mean, wh- the other thing that was interesting about Roger Ebert is when he when he got um, cancer. 
and lost the ability to speak as a result of the of the of cancer surgery. Which right? was a kind of sudden and I think very relatively it was unknown shocking. thing. Yeah, because it happened in uh, I think '06, and yet he was not he was not the Robert Ebert that we knew more recently until about 2008 2009 um, when he started really adopting the internet. He started blogging. blogging a ton. He was really active on Twitter f- f- very early. He was one of the first celebrities that I remember seeing on Twitter. Um, and he he shared, in addition to the movie stuff, he shared the other interest in his life, which I thought were... like I love the movie writing. It's That's great. But the other, the other articles that he wrote were much more interesting. I think my favorite, because I went back and dug through all the, the bookmarks and stuff, my favorite was his story of being a young newspaper man in the 50s or 60, early 60s, you know, Mad, Mad Men era, basically, growing up in Chicago and what it was like to work in a newsroom, in the kind of newsroom that I don't think exists anymore. Those And editors and writers back then lived on alcohol and ink. Right, 25, 25 bucks a month and, and, and bourbon, enough to buy rye, rye whiskey, basically. And he so, was an alcoholic. He was, he was a proud, recovering alcoholic in his whole later uh, yeah. part of life. Yep. Um, and... Yeah, there's so many things if you go in all his archives. And, uh, I mean, yeah, he was extremely prolific. He wrote about everything. He responded. If you look through comments, the thousands of thousands of comments, especially when he touched on things that were more philosophical, um, he would respond to people individually. And, and yeah, he, he will be missed. He also sometimes would write reviews and just spoil the entire plot of the movie <laughs> in, like, the first sentence or two. He he, um, didn't, he didn't really care for that. Well, it, the funny thing is, he wrote like an editorial or something a few years ago about how reviewers should not spoil movies, and then he just could kind of decided to start doing it. I think at he was never point. conscious of of maybe, or maybe he was. I think it was contempt for the movie a lot nah, of times. I think he just wasn't aware that, 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 that for some people that's like a certain plot point was what people went to see a movie for. Um, he, he's, but it was very nonchalant, some of those reveals. For example? He did uh, the movie Super, which I actually haven't seen because I read Roger Ebert's review of it, and there's like a shocking twist in the yeah. movie. Um, it's like a, a kind of a superhero, I don't know if satire is the right word. It's it's like kick-ass, except taken is it the seriously. Teenager, the teenager it's the Rain su- Wilson and yeah, yeah. Uh, Ellen Juno. Pa- Ellen, Ellen Page. Page. Yeah. Um, yes. And Ellen so there's... Juno. Yeah, so there's a big twist in that movie, and he just like first line of the review yeah. was the twist and I was like, "Oh, but thanks. he didn't he didn't like that movie, thanks, Roger. if I recall. I don't remember. You mean um, the ghost is Bruce Willis?" Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not that much of a twist, but if he had something to say about it, he wasn't afraid to use a plot point as as a way to start a uh, a conversation. Um he also has a, he had a book. He wrote He wrote shitloads of books, dude. He, he was incredibly he had, prolific. He had a, a memoir that, had, uh, that he wrote after he lost uh, the ability to speak. Multiple volumes, I and believe. No, it was just was Life it just Itself the was the one book, okay. and which was Option, and uh, I think that movie is still being made, the documentary about his life. Or biopic, as the case may be. Yep. Um, yeah, so anyway, I guess Rip Roger Ebert. Uh, do you want to get in the news? Don't you want to talk about Margaret Thatcher and what she meant to all of us? Um, no. I, you know, my favorite part of the Mar- Margaret Thatcher story, I was, I, A, I didn't realize that Margaret Thatcher was still alive until recently. I there think a lot, there a lot, lot of, of people, people were surprised that like, she was It's still one of those alive. things where obituaries were, were written way ahead of time. Well, of course. And there were many high-profile, especially um, just like people who've had biopics done of them or people who were in politics that have kind of gone out of the, out of the spotlight. Like Nelson Mandela, also not very healthy right now. 
Right. He's like 94 and he's been in hospital for months. Um, and people like. So you're saying he's on the watch list? Nice, Norm. I, I don't run a death list. I don't, I don't run, I don't run a, the Deadpool. Um, is. um, like uh, Muhammad Ali, like he's, he's still around. Well, yeah. He was at the Olympics last time. Not last time. He was in the Olympics at two, two, uh, 1996. Oh, 96. Yeah, he lit the torch at the yeah, Atlanta 96. Olympics. Yeah. Um, my favorite part about the whole Thatcher story was that the trending tweet hashtag was, now Thatcher's dead. And people read that as, now that Cher's dead. So there were a lot of people that were really concerned that, it, that the fourth was Cher. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Oops. Um... Yeah, and on that note, uh, well, and by the way, the fifth was Vernon Weasley from the Harry Potter movies, a longtime British character actor. Um, his name is Richard Griffiths, and he played Harry's adopted, or I guess not adopted, but you know, the the not not uh, not Weasley, yeah, Weasley, Uncle Vernon, Harry's Uncle Vernon. We're not from the, the right, Potter not the right yeah. crowd. <laughs> they know this is for See, them. Eve, I think Thatcher was as close as. So that is where it's as English as you're going to go. Um, let's talk about let's talk about uh, we talked about Arrow a little bit last week. Arrow is the the startup in New York. Aereo. Aereo. When you put that many vowels in a word, then you you you're, you take your pronunciation at risk. People are going to mess it up. Uh, basically, you you time slice antennas so you can use an antenna to record over the air footage. And uh, they're collecting subscription fees for use of those antennas, basically. Uh, so there was a court case uh, last week that, that basically they passed a legal hurdle. Uh, the big networks, the over-the-air networks, are suing them for copyright violations because rebroadcasting stuff that's broadcast is presumably against the law. Um, and they would sue them even if it wasn't against the law. That is almost certainly the case, yes. Um, and so that, that story has escalated in the last week. Um, at uh, one of the NAB, uh, National Association of Broadcasters, shows going on right now, and at one of the keynotes for that, the uh, the Fox, uh, a Fox executive basically said, look, if this aero business isn't, aereo business isn't stopped, we're going to pull over the air broadcast of our stations. What so, does that mean? So that means they will turn off the radios for Fox. For and Fox, it will, not Fox, cable Fox, but Fox, Fox, Fox ass Fox. But Fox is a affiliate-based they're um, all affiliate-based networks. So they I mean, some of them are all. They would just pull the. Rights. They would turn off the transmitters on thousands of Fox stations around the country. Are you sure they wouldn't just do it localized? Well, or? I mean, I'm sure that they would start localized, and as soon as those people came into a new market, they would just turn off the station. I'd say call their bluff because I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think they will either. Yeah, it's no, crazy no, talk. No way they don't. Fifty million people get their TV over over the air. Yeah. Plus, don't the networks sort of have um, not deals with the government, but aren't they kind of? Sub- there, there they are, are not supported. They are licensing are, the airwaves, which there are, are obligations public. to the kind of the way they use that. That, that airwave, was the right? deal: was that it's if they are licensed, if the airwaves are licensed to them for use, then it has to be in the good of the public. And so that's why there has to be new shows, mm-hmm. new shows. Um, well, it's why there has to be equal time for politics stuff. I don't, I don't, I don't know that you can call news shows today that we do well, today, today news. But that's why they were originally yeah newscasts and stuff like that. Uh, that's why there's frequently a public, like a public time, like if at two o'clock in the morning, if you turn on your local. Imagine Fox if station, Fox pulled all their programming, uh, and the uh, or just r- remove affiliate support, and the local stations who own that those the spectrum in that area 
Yeah. Uh, just broadcast public access stuff. We've seen that, dude. That's what happened to Cron. Well, it wasn't public access. Cron pulled. Cron lost the NBC license ten yes, years to, ago. To San Jose. Right. And thanks a lot, San Jose. And Channel Eleven. Basically, it has become this the station where it's one up from Coffee, which is where they show like. American Bandstand, yeah, and 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 creepy coffee, um, the creepy coffee horror hour, and the the dancing show it's and KOFY. all that. Yeah, KOFY. It's a it's a real. If you ever want to feel good about choices you've made in your life, watch some of those coffee programs. Um, so that's, I mean, Cron as a a, a uh, broadcaster here, KRON, yeah. they have the rights to broadcast on that channel, Channel Four. Yes, uh, they have a lease and basically. It just turns out that without the programming, the mass market programming. Just having its broadcasting stuff is not enough to get people to watch your channel. No, so Cron still has like local news and the whole thing. They do all of that stuff, but there's like if you look at their TV schedule, which is where I'm at right now, it's, it's syndicated. It's syndicated talk shows. It's a lot of yeah. It's a lot of syndicated talk shows. It's a lot of like Dr. Phil and uh, Entertainment Tonight and Inside Edition. They have syndicated Thirty Rock now. Um, but they don't have original programming, so it's all syndicated or, um, or news basically. No sports or anything. I mean, this like is that. just old. T- uh, the analog spectrum technology being reconciled with digital streaming, and and broadcast not being necessarily. It, it's a tough time for broadcast. Um, well, a ton of people still consume it, but we can all see a future in twenty years where. There won't be that many channels. Well, I mean, and the thing that they're worried about, obviously, because you have to remember the big media conglomerates also own, the people that own the stations also, in some cases, own cable networks. So NBC, cable, cable, sorry, not cable vision, uh, cable town, uh, Comcast owns NBC. Obviously, NBC is probably on the same list of companies that are going to pull. There was one other mystery uh, uh, broadcaster that was theoretically going to pull over the air access. Um, and, And they're, you know, it's it's against their business model to allow somebody else to subs- charge subscriptions for their for their content. This is this is a problem. Previously, the only reason the Aereo thing works is because they're time slicing antennas. So they're saying we're just renting you access to an antenna. It may be far away, and we're sending that information across the internet instead of across a cable. But antenna and DVR space and, and, and hard drive yeah, store, storage space on the on the network. Yeah. Um, it's this stuff is just going to continue, and and there have been multiple times that this has happened in the past. I think there was a company that used over the air broadcast across Lake Erie or like Lake Huron or one of those New England lakes to get American TV in Canada because at the time, at least, American TV shows would be six months or a year ahead of Canadian shows sometimes, so people could watch the latest episode of Friends over the internet and, and get it immediately. You think it's ethically areas and ethically unsound service? I don't have a problem. I think it's fine. I mean, I think I think what's going to ha- the reason the networks are scared is if Aereo gets enough customers to suddenly be able to to afford the fees that companies like um, well, ESPN is a bad example because it's owned by ABC, but uh, that say HBO or Cinemax charge if HBO or Cinemax charges Comcast four dollars for every house that subscribes to Comcast or eight dollars for every house that subscribes to Comcast, and all of a sudden Aereo has enough subscribers that HBO is looking at that money and thinking, you know, it's probably okay if Comcast is pissed off at us because we can we can charge that we can get that eight dollars from these people, and maybe we charge them twelve dollars instead because it's not bundled with other stuff. Um, then they're in a real dilly of a pickle. 
the, the over-the-air networks. And for that matter, all of the people that make the crappy cable channels that fill out the 200 channels that nobody watches except, or that are super niche. So, for example, if you are the golf channel right now, then Comcast pays you X number of dollars for every subscriber that, that hooks up to that, to that channel. Whether they watch it or whether not. Whether they watch it or not. The moment that, that the economics of that whole thing changes when you can all cart subscribe stuff and there's going to be a real bloodletting along among the niche channels. Or they'll go to a, a paid content model where if you want the golf channel, then you just pay 50 bucks a year, just like you do for the MLB package or the or the um, the, the NFL package or you know whatever the different kind of sports packages. Yeah, it works, if, theoretically. I think you need the, the way to make it work is to make people realize that they have to pay for content. And I think, I mean... The thing is, I don't mind paying for content that I use. Like, I have absolutely no problem paying for HBO because I watch HBO a lot. I like the original series, and I like having access to... Paying to, a fair price for content. Yeah, exactly. But I don't like paying 120 bucks to cable just so I can get HBO. I don't like paying 100 bucks to Comcast just so I can get pay the package so that, you that, has, that I can pay another bucks. 20 bucks to get HBO. Yeah. As much as they're still stuck with Comcast right now, I think... More than anything, Game of Thrones has been a really big eye opener for them to see because it's the most pirated TV show, yeah, currently and maybe ever for HBO. Like, I feel like they're really starting to see how much money they could make just selling HBO Go, and like, they're still at the point where they have all the deals with Comcast and and Directv and whatever. But I feel like they're kind of slowly moving in the direction where they might, in the next five years, be like, oh. Okay. Well, yeah. the same way. Pay AMC ten bucks a month to Comcast, or pay twenty bucks a month to us. Yeah, and AMC, yeah. the success of Walking Dead, rate with ratings for that uh, being higher than network broadcast television. Yeah, uh, they could totally split that off. They have that and uh, Mad Men. It's. I mean, it's one of those things where if you're making, if you're the people making quality content, you're in an okay place. Whether it's Netflix or Amazon or HBO or AMC or whoever or A and E, if you are. If you are the people making the the kind of shovelware content, the Food Networks and the Golf Channel and the, I mean, frankly, the ESPN and stuff like that, the the stuff that has high overhead, and and you know, not a ton of people watch, you have a real problem coming up, and you have to figure out a new way to make money. You know, that's content. the second time you picked on the Golf Channel. I just gotta say, my grandmother really likes the Golf Channel. I, I don't have any beef with the Golf. I could have picked Speed Vision for. Yeah, you know, I'm just I'm thinking about the stuff at the high end of the dial where I never go. If like, she could have the Golf Channel and the Tennis Channel, she wouldn't watch anything else on TV. Basically, north of HBO Spanish and south of the porn channels is a, is a no man's land on cable. So and you, you know, know, exposing the content of those channels is terrible too right now with the existing menu systems and the existing uh, yeah. listing systems. It's entirely possible that there is a show on Speed Vision that I would totally be into, but, but it's on at 3 o'clock in the no afternoon when I'm at work. And, no yeah. one, and it's not... You're, you are sent directly to those channels that that get the most publicity or pay for it. Yeah, exactly. It's a death march of content. Um, uh, speaking of high-speed internet, because you need high-speed internet to sp spread video, that was another perfect segue brought to you by Three Hours of Sleep. Google is rolling out fiber in Austin, Texas right now. Not uh, right now. Well, soon. They have announced By that Austin is the right? next... 2014, oh, sorry. 2014, 2015 would be two years away. Yeah. Uh, probably by next, next South by Southwest. In other news, I now hate Austin, Texas. Even why, more? Why do you hate Austin? Because they have more? Google Fiber. Oh, well, you, are, you are envious of Austin, yeah. Texas. Uh, I don't hate them. They're cool. You like the city, but you don't like the people living there. I've never been to, I've never been to Texas, but... You've never been to Texas. 
Wow. I've only been to Austin, Texas, so. You've never yeah. really been to Texas <laughs> either, <laughs> yeah. Norm. Oh, huh. No, I, I Entire hear, Texas is just like Austin. I hear great things about Austin. I'm sure I would like it because it, it sounds like it's a lot like where I went to college, like a, a cool music scene. And You went, to, you were in Athens? Yeah. It's very similar. Yeah. Like, I, I'm sure I would like Athens. Southern and, college like, town. So this is the biggest city that uh, Google Fiber is being rolled out to. Well, it's only, what, like the second or third, third? I think. Uh, it is a third because they did uh, Kansas, Kansas City, City Missouri. Missouri, and then they did actual city in Kansas City. Um, Olath, Kansas. Uh, or in Kansas. And then Austin is the third. So this is actually a real city this time. Well, well a, Kansas City, Missouri is a pretty big city, dude. City. Uh, and, and high and very high tech city. It's not a happy place though. Um, yeah. That's gonna be that's gonna be very, very good for Austin. Maybe I don't know what their business plan is, because I'm sure it's costing a lot of money. Um and I frankly have not heard from anyone who's we haven't heard from people who uh, nobody lives in Kansas City, Missouri. <laughs> Who they're, have Google Fiber? Yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm. We read have the readers. I, yeah, if you live or if you yeah, use, let us know how you like it. Uh, if you use Google Fiber or know someone that uses Google Fiber, I want to know what the experience is like. Do you know how much it costs? It's like a hundred bucks for everything. Wow. Okay. TV, phone, and the triple play. I think believe I believe triple play is a licensed trademark. Oh, of right. Comcast. That's pretty good. Um, well, when Verizon rolled Xfinity. out FiOS, it was pretty damn cheap, wasn't it? I, I want to say it was only like 50 bucks a month, maybe, or 80 for like, you know, 50 megabit internet. Like it was really good. And maybe they've raised that since they kind of got out of a pilot program or whatever they were initially doing. But so what does Google want to get out of this? I'm doing fiber. Uh, they, I mean, it's, it's, I think a lot of it's just to see what happens. Like nobody kind of knows, at least in the U.S., what, what happens if you give people access to really crazy high end internet at home because a whole bunch of other stuff is possible. people, entire cities yeah. at once. Um, so, like, uh, there's a couple of other cities that have similar fiber, municipal fiber networks. Chattanooga has one. Um, the town that I grew up in, funnily enough, has a uh, it's a high speed. They're not running at gigabit speeds just because they don't want to pay for the upstream uh, and downstream connections on that. But, like, my parents get 100 megabit to their house for $30 a month or something like that. And it's both ways. So, like, they deliver... Um, they, like serving up lots of files well, and running game servers. And, and the other thing is they can do IPTV stuff. So if you once you have that connection to the Internet, they can take, I think, an Xbox 360 running that Media Room software, which we'll talk about in a minute, and they, they can use that as a cable box anywhere in their house, whether they have a cable cable running to it or not. It just has to be plugged into the I don't Ethernet. think we'll see the effects of this for another three years. Yeah, I mean, this is a slow burn. This is like the rollout of broadband. It's the second... It's This is second-generation broadband, basically, and it took... A it's ASDL, not ISDN. You mean the stuff my, par that my parents have? The new... No, no, no. What, what fiber? What fiber cable? is cable modem. Well, what... What, what we uh, have now what is... Google Fiber is. Yeah. It's, it's like when people started getting DSL, not when people started getting... Well, yeah. ISDN was really limited rollout in only well, parts yeah, of the country. Th that's like Fios. Yeah. Do you think it's, I mean, obviously Google has money to throw around if they want to. Do you think yes. this is kind of just them being like, okay, we want there to eventually be way better network infrastructure in the U.S., so we're going to kind of just start encouraging that well, a little bit? I, yeah, I mean, I think, I think that part of it is to prod the existing telecoms. We'll sit on their asses indefinitely if the, if the choice is theirs. Um, I think part of it is to just see what happens. I mean, the, in the Chattanooga play, in the Chattanooga area, there's a ton of startups that are forming that are doing stuff that requires 50 and 100 megabit 
and faster internet to work. And they're doing things like streaming 4K video. Um, they're doing medical stuff where there's like telepresence robots doing surgery and stuff like that across town. And it's all sorts of crazy stuff. We should probably go to Is this like a road trip, like the, the Chattanooga tech boom? I, maybe. I don't know. There's barbecue down there, is, too. Uh, so I wonder if it's, from a bureaucracy standpoint, easier to... Um, install and implement uh, gigabit fiber over something that's more a wireless play? Um, well, the wireless won't go up to that speed because it's shared well, per saying, node. Just, just wireless, you know. Oh, you mean just rather than blanking it at the whole city with 802.11n? Yeah. It's probably, it's probably um, much more expensive to do this than that. Because like Pacifica has a 802.11g net mesh network where they just put the repeaters up on every power power pole, basically. I bet there's FCC, more FCC roadblocks. No, that's all in unlicensed spectrum, so you can do whatever you want. It just has to, it just has to accept interference. Like, there's no... If you want to put municipal Wi-Fi up, you don't have to get FCC clearance, I don't think. With this, you have to run new cables. So, for example, in Bristol, they, they for 10 years, ran fiber along with every new... Every time they replaced power cables, they ran fiber alongside it. So at some point, they looked over like, well, you know, if we spend three months on this, replacing the remainder of the cables, we can have fiber the through 90% of the town. power and Ethernet. Pretty much, yeah. And at least this is going to be way better, you know, 10 years from now. Like, if you put 802.11n in a whole city in two years, yeah, everybody's going to be like... Why don't we have AC? Yeah. But this fiber is going to be good for a while. You guys you guys are probably a little too young to remember when broadband was just starting to roll out. I mean, you're probably you're probably oh, no, I had 56k until 2000 I had 33k until something. Yeah, 2000. So one. Wow, and you lived here? Yep. Cuz AT&T DSL did not reach that far. There's a Wow, even here? The oh, local, that local sucks. AT&T was just just half a mile too far. Oh, see, I bought so I bought into ISDN in like 1995 because in Tennessee, for whatever reason, it was really cheap. It was the price of a normal uh, of of a normal duplex phone line. So they had like there was some sort of state regulation that r- made ISDN crazy cheap in Tennessee. But it was still sucked. It still sucked. It was still 128k at best. Um, I want to say I didn't get DSL, and that would be 1.5 megabit yeah. until 2004. Okay, so maybe two thousand because you need to be a certain distance from the, the local CO, t- yeah, uh, yeah, the, the last mile, and also no D slams. Um, there were a lot. Of, I mean, still today, like you get to all the filters and everything. It was just a hassle. Yeah, so watching watching broadband roll out slowly from someplace that had no chance of getting real broadband for a long time was really painful, and we're going to be in that same situation for the next ten years. Thanks. Yeah, so nice job, guys. Way to go, Google. Thanks, jerks. Um, let's talk about, uh, well, while we're talking about this stuff, let's talk about media room because, uh, media room is something that Microsoft's been peddling for a really long time, kind of unsuccessfully just cause the IPTV rollout was a little slow. I mean, I know they ended up with pretty good market share, but it's basically a cable box that operates over the internet instead of over, uh, uh, the coaxial network. It took them so long to get this going with the 360 that I feel like it's going to be a bi- a much bigger push on the next Xbox. Like it's going to be a, a built in. You know, from we're, day zero, we're going to so do cable stuff. If they sold Media Room to Ericsson, mm-hmm. then how can I mean they sold all that technology and the people and the brand and everything? And they I don't think you can sell people, out. Norm. Well, the people now work for Sony. Okay. Uh, or don't choose not to. Um, then if they roll this out again, something very similar um, with next Xbox, which is something we're expecting, then. That's that's a pretty bad deal for Sony. My, my hunch is that it's going to be an ecosystem 
uh, like an app ecosystem situation where instead of like right now, the problem with the apps on the Xbox is that if you want to sign into HBO Go, then you have to authorize with Comcast. If you want to sign into the Xfinity app, you have to authorize with Comcast. If you want to sign into so instead of a Cinemax full app, s- service, it is just it's a it's piggybacking on your existing service. I my, that would be my hunch, and that you'll have you'll have a, a live TV, a way to watch live TV. You'll have a way to watch on demand stuff. And then it's there'll like be some the, sort uh, of centralized authorization thing. Like the so ESPN that, thing that you have on Xbox right now. Yeah. Yeah. But instead of, but instead of each app doing its own authentication, you'll just set up once and say, Hey, I pay for Comcast. Here's, here's my credentials. And then that'll pull in from, from Comcast and let you know what works. And hopefully they don't want to be a content provider. They do. Well, they want to keep a, selling Zoom stuff in the Xbox store. Right. Do I mean, think, they don't want to be a, like a like a a live content provider, a live they, video. Are they going to? I think fix they will do live. Their terrible, shitty UI next. Like, you mean the tiles? Around? Yeah, the modern tiles. It's so bad. You don't I like those? I mean, I I like it in theory, but the the Xbox uses it terribly. Like they've gotten worse every they time. They bury so much information that should be so easy to access, and like there's super weird divides between what is like there's like a tab for video and then there's a tab for apps yep. yeah and all you want to buy stuff from Microsoft yeah, directly and all and apps the you yeah. want to piggyback on all the video else. apps are under apps and not videos like yeah it's terrible and plus you know if you want to switch from ESPN to HBO you are closing an app and launching an app as opposed to on TV and logging in and out every yeah, and time. Logging in and I think out all that stuff has to get faster, right? I mean, that's the the goal is that if you want, it should work the same way it does if you're changing channels on the TV. And I think that they do have to have live video. I mean, you have live video in the no, ESPN app right now. They have to right live now. video, but I don't think uh, Microsoft's going to be a Comcast. They're going to supplement Comcast. Yeah, they're going to provide a a service to Comcast that just uses their box as a cable box, basically, but without the media room stuff, which never really gained traction. I haven't used the Wii U, but it really bums me out that the Nintendo TV stuff was apparently just like really poorly implemented. And it isn't surprising because Nintendo has no experience whatsoever with with that kind of application stuff. But I mean, because they haven't done applications before like they make video games they don't make programs so so the tbi stuff i used it a fair amount um it would be really interesting if you if you look at it in a context of a typical japanese household where you have a tv and it's a relatively small tv and it doesn't have like a big entertainment stereo system hooked up to it and maybe you have a cable box or maybe you use ota it's kind of interesting because it provides a lot of like the cable box functionality it gives you a good interface in a, yeah in a little bit smarter way and it works as a universal remote Unless you use a receiver or something else to control volume, in which case it's essentially useless. I like that when you think of a standard Japanese home, you think of a small TV, but all the big Japanese and Korean companies sell big TVs well, but it's, uh, to you know, us. Anytime I see pictures of Japanese homes, it's like a 40-inch TV on a wall in a, in a tiny little you know, Kyoto apartment. So I just assume that it's, you know, it's a... It's no, a, it's true. Yeah. We, we buy big TVs here. Yeah. America. We have space, and we like things big. Fuck yeah. So Ericsson bought Media Room, um, and then the, Microsoft has said, our focus for TV in the future is on Xbox, which which is funny, because Media Room was an Xbox app, among other things, at, at, at least at one point in its life. I remember we went to a at CES, what, in 2010, probably 2011? They had a big... must have been 2010. 2009 or 10. Yeah, they had a big Media Room push, and then nothing ever happened. Um, but the report said that they had 25% of the IPTV market, which makes me wonder how big the IPTV market is. Um, Four guys. <laughs> uh, Facebook had a big event last week. This is probably the big news this week, except for maybe the Fox thing. 
Then um, they rolled out, uh, um, well, Facebook Home. They announced the Facebook phone. Well, and the, well, there, okay. there's a Facebook phone, and they announced, more importantly, uh, their new home screen application launcher, uh, Facebook Home. Yes. It's coming out tomorrow. It's Friday. So it's, um, it's essentially a launcher replacement, right? It's, um, it's a home screen replacement. Right, so it's 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 like ADW or um, Launcher Pro or one of the other things. It's not as tightly integrated necessarily, even as a as say a third party manufacturer skin. Although I guess it can. I mean, I, I guess we'll know when we spend more time with. It. We haven't really seen it yet, except for screenshots. When installed, you will turn on your phone and see what Facebook wants you to see. Right, it replaces your lock screen, your home screen. Uh, the app tray, I think, is still accessible. Um, but your core apps are all dominated by Facebook stuff. Um, and it looks, I mean, it, it's, I like, I'm not a big Facebook user, so it's difficult for me to be super excited about this, but it's, um, it seems interesting and, well, it, and, and it's going to be available for all phones rather than just, it's going to be available. It's going to officially many support phones. A, a specific, uh, list of Android phones. Um, yeah, it's a pretty small list initially and yeah, not, and if not on the list or the Nexus lot, seven or Nexus four either. Uh, Why do you think that is? You, they don't want to anger Google. Uh, no, I don't think I don't think so. Uh, I think it might be, have to be a resolution thing. Um, both of those are weird resolutions um, mm. compared to the existing support. So, what phone, uh, Galaxy S three phones are on the list? HTC's One X, um, Galaxy S three and four for when it comes out. Theoretically, yeah. Um, the LG, uh, um, the LG phones from last year. I don't know. I don't think. I think it was just. The HTC One and One X, okay. Uh, the two Galaxies and the Note Two. Oh, wow! I, that I is think, a really small list. I think that list. was all. And yeah. HTC first, which is uh, right, the entry yeah, level yeah. Facebook phone. Uh, so when you when you log on to the Facebook phone, you turn it on, you will see, you know, f- your Facebook feed basically uh, presented in a new and fun way. Is, is that the that's the activity feed that shows top posts from all of my friends? Top posts from friends that Facebook thinks you care about, and okay. it's going to pull information from. Uh, so, for example, if you're on the Facebook website and you interact with someone a lot with messages or uh, or view their photos or something or like their their posts, then they are people that Facebook thinks you w- are interested in, and their information gets shown more prominently than other people who are still your friends. That's how they yeah. differentiate. That's how they get around the Google Plus's uh, circles. Is there a way to turn that off? Because like I, there are a few people that Facebook message me fairly regularly, and I, it's the only people I, I ever talk to on Facebook. So, oh, you can, you can like, hide someone. I can I hide them, right? Yeah, you can hide okay. them. Um, so uh, Facebook's doing the same thing with what you do on your, your phone. Uh, the people that, because it's, it will be tied to all the basic phone applications, the people that you email and you call and you message, text message, SMS, more frequently, they, their information will get, and their updates will propagate to the top of your feed. Um, but that also means that they, you're sending them a lot of information about not only who you're in touch with and who you're in contact with, but also what applications you're downloading and, uh, and your location and the places you check into and all that stuff. Free marketing info for Facebook. Um, so are you worried about privacy with this, Norm? Uh, I know a lot of people are. Um, are. Are you? If I used it, I, I would be. I, I don't check in the places I go. Um, and I know that all of that stuff, the only reason Facebook would want the information is to more direct, you know, to, to send me to more have, ads. Yeah. Or more ads tailored more specifically And it's to not you. something you can opt out of. Well, if you, well, you can. You just don't use Facebook Home. Yeah. So That's Facebook how you home. opt out. 
Um, so we'll do some hands-on when we when we can download the software and put it on a phone in the office, and we'll let you know how it goes. Microsoft's um, director of communications or VP of Frank communications, Shaw? Frank X. Shaw, uh, posted this long uh, TechNet post about how uh, he was shocked when he saw the Facebook home announcement, and he had to go check his calendar to see if it was possibly an April Fool's joke or whether it was actually two years ago because everything that they said in that Facebook announcement was something Microsoft had tried to push with Windows Phone 7, putting people first um, as opposed to apps first. Uh, well, then he's going to be real pissed if this thing is successful, <laughs> huh? Yeah. Yep. Frank is a little bit outspoken sometimes, too, just, well, just in case you have... If you've, and, he's and, a good follow on Twitter. To, to be fair, Microsoft did do all that, and they have not gained too much traction. Well, but the difference is that they, they missed some of the other key stuff with Windows Phone. I mean, not to beat up on Windows Phone more, because we do that enough as it is, but, but you know, they, they didn't... It wasn't like they executed that perfectly and had an otherwise flawless launch. It was There were a host of other problems. Um, well, Ohm wrote a piece from GigaOM about the Facebook Home stuff as well. It was, was it about privacy? It was about, it was privacy. about privacy, yeah. Big fears on privacy. Um, he's always been kind of bearish on Facebook, though, like on privacy. With, uh, and with to be fair, to all other companies as well. Yeah, well, the, and and it, but Facebook especially has a pretty good history of giving people reasons to be nervous about privacy with Facebook. It's both Facebook and Google, uh, primarily because uh, the more information both of those companies have about you, the better they are willing to. They're the better they are able to sell their product to their customers, which are advertisers. Yeah, when you're not the customer, when you're the product, yeah. So Google's kind of big privacy slip-up was when they moved, uh, was it when they, it wasn't Google+, Plus. it was when they kind of started with a social networking platform and they accidentally made public, like, who you were following or something it was, to that effect. It, yeah, it was that they, no, they made public which circles you were in, right? No, it was before that. I, I feel bad that I can't remember this exactly, but I remember people... It, it it was their Twitter like service, uh, and there was something where you couldn't. What was the Twitter like service? Latitude Buzz. Buzz. Yeah, it was something with. Buzz. Oh, I know what it was. It was the emails. It 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 harvested your friends from Gmail, and based on who you contacted, so people's mistresses were showing up in their Buzz Buzz lists. I forgot um, about the whole existence of Google Buzz. Yeah. So yeah. That, there was a there was a thing where like you couldn't take out. Email like people whose emails you had or something from the stuff you were seeing, and so I think the the biggest uh, like rallying cry for this was someone who had gotten like harassing emails from someone, and all of a sudden yeah. that person was like on their Buzz friends list, yeah, and they had to see like stuff from them, and they couldn't get rid of it, yeah. Um, and Facebook has had a lot of like timeline issues, right, where people are suddenly like things you did years ago are kind of displayed publicly in a way that they would not want to be surfaced. It's, it's always smart when approaching a, anything, any service or product that claims to be free or looks like it's free to consider who the, it's, that service is actual, how the service makes how, money how, and yeah, who how its customers are and what its product actually is. Uh, we say a lot for, for Google and Facebook because it's very clear. People understand now that advertising is their business and the, the more and information is their game, uh, is is the trade they they uh, they work in. But also services like Yelp, like Yelp is free, but who are how does it make money and who are its customers? How does Yelp, Yelp sells ads to businesses? Right. Yelp asks businesses to pay them 
for more prominent showing. And there's a a lot of controversy about that. Uh, For example, a a restaurant, if they don't pay, Yelp will solicit, you know, if you want better prominent placement, uh, pay us X sum. And if they don't, then coincidentally, a competing business might pop up, an advertising for competing business that did pay might pop up on your page, and your good reviews might be. Uh, filtered out. You can also promote positive reviews of your place of business, right? Yeah, it's, it's all it's all really shady. Yeah. Well, you know, got to make money. How, how else are we going to know which one, which uh, falafel place, was, halal place, is the right one to go to? I think it was last year uh, that Brian Lamb from Wirecutter got some. I think some roofers or like some maintenance guys, contractors off Yelp, and they just totally fucked up his house. Like got a hole in the roof and, and like people are very, serious very damage and, yeah. and like he was rightfully super super pissed and like that you know basically these the Yelp reviews were totally he had led him astray it and can like, be gamed yeah, well I'm always easily. like I'm th- there's there's that and then there's also that Angie's List thing which you always see ads for on late night TV and stuff like that and it seems like it's a completely legitimate thing but I have no idea and they're completely untrans what's the opposite of transparent opaque about how they um how they make money and how how their reviews process works and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, that's Facebook Home. Uh, we'll download it on put it on HTC One X or a, a Nexus Seven or something and do a video as soon as it's available. Um, you want to talk about Ron Johnson? Ron Johnson. He sounds like he should be a character in a Will Ferrell movie. Yeah. No. Not feeling it. Well, the character in the Will Ferrell movie was Ron Burgundy, so they did share. Well, but I mean, name. Ron Johnson. Seems Johnson. It sounds like a funny last name. Yeah, for somebody named Ron. Um, well, and then there's that that Ron Swanson guy from Parks and Rec, the, and there you go. Yeah, and Don Johnson. It, it, Don Johnson Dan, from Nash Don Bridges. And, yeah, and Ron Jeremy, and so I don't know who that is. Pushing all the buttons in your head, well. Okay, you know who Ron Jeremy is. Uh, Ron Johnson, who uh, was one of the architects of the, the Apple stores. Worked for Apple uh, and worked with Steve Jobs to. He was the. He was the, the retail genius behind the Apple stores. Yes. Um, he was sacked by J. He went to J.C. Penney uh, what about two years ago now, a year and a half ago. Um, to he left Apple as an SVP. Yep. And to become the CEO of J.C. Penney for I believe it was like fifty million dollar. It was a lot of money. It was a lot of money with a lot of shares, and uh, basically started this whole campaign of because uh, J.C. Penney as a department store was in the dumps just like Sears was. And department Sears stores in general. Big box department stores yeah. have, been, have had a tough time competing with the likes of Target and Best Buy and those even those places. And Amazon. And, and, and of course Amazon. Um, but he wanted to class it up and make, make JCPenney the place you wanted to shop at, your favorite shopping place. Make it, make it for hip young kids. A curated shopping experience with, no, with straight talk and no sales and basically take out all the rules of, of, uh, of marketing the, and, and, and pricing. The retail trick your customer nonsense. Which works. It's actually really fascinating, uh, the tricks that people have discovered. Um, like not just the ending your price in a 9.9, even though it's extremely powerful, but showing discounts uh, is a huge psychological game. You mean like literally the act of saying, hey, this thing is 30% off, even though it's 30% off. And, of and there's it, a big of- difference between showing the percentage off and the absolute value off and the, the seasonality of it. And um, I mean, it's, it's, it's something that if you go into any, any type of this, uh, big department store, you will recognize but fall victim to also. When you go to the grocery store, do you look at the price of an item or the cost per unit of the item? 
Do you know about the cost per unit? What do, you, what do you mean? Oh, you mean like it's not, not, so not on, produce? On the tag, no. Um, yeah, produce doesn't count because produce is so usually like... So you think about like a, a, if you go, a, a, a thing of bread. Or, yeah, or you're in the cereal aisle and there's three different size boxes of Honey Nut cost Cheerios. Per, uh, cost per unit. Yeah. You go for the big one. I mean, no, no, you no. Have cost per... You look at the, the fine print of the price tag, which yeah. says price per ounce or... Well, if, if you're looking at a small box of Honey Nut Cheerios and a big box of Honey Nut Cheerios, the big one is always... Not always. Most of the time. Sometimes, sometimes they mess you up with that, though. Like, if you look at Oreos, for example, um, if you're... Hmm, that's, not bad, that's a bad example. Uh, sometimes milk will be different. The bigger ones will be more expensive because of the, because of the, the expiration dates and stuff like that. Um, the big one is not always cheaper. You look at the per-unit cost. Yeah, well, per obviously, cost. it's not cheaper like across different things, either. Like... Well, some, and then tricky, the tricky thing they've started doing at Safeway lately is two items in the same category, maybe not identical items, but say a competing, say Honey Note Cheerios and off-brand Honey Rolled Oats will be, one will be priced per serving and one will be priced per ounce. So you have to figure out per ounce. That's how many servings in an ounce, how many ounces in a serving. And That's so sleazy. It's really, really shady. Um, there's a lot of weird, weird. Don't buy Honey Note Cheerios. Well, that is, don't buy cereal is the right answer. Grape nuts, yeah. Wheat, uh, frosted mini wheats. So J.C. Penny, I like big, bigger, little. Have we talked about the frosted mini wheat Holocaust? Uh, I don't know what the frosted mini wheat Holocaust. So is that they were fantastic. Right? Wheat. Do you like bite size or the? I, I eat them all full sizes. size. Full size is fine as long as they're frosted. So you know Kellogg's removed the full size. The full size, mm-hmm. they're gone. Because the bite size, you can get more sugar. It's, but I don't. I but the I, I, ratio I, I, of sugar to wheat on the on the full size on the medium size. Which uh, just to be clear, it's a full size mini wheat. So what the hell does that full even size mean? Mini, right, we're not talking about full size wheat because no, are those are terrible. Nobody should eat giant, those. Like, the, it's like a brick of, of yeah, fiber. Yep. You just eat that while they, you're sitting on the scratches, toilet. It goes it just, straight through. Yeah, layers of scratchiness. Um, but the full size mini wheat has been usurped by the bite size mini wheat, and now there's another smaller mini wheat even below the bite size. Micro wheat. I can't remember what oh it's called, goodness. but I don't. I don't buy into wheat. any. I stopped eating mini wheats once they once the the full size, once they went from being frosted mini wheats to full size frosted mini wheats. I knew it was over because I knew that by changing the label of that product, they were getting ready to remove its existence from the world. They know what their consumers want. Fucking Kellogg. So Ron Johnson uh, unceremoniously uh, kicked out by the board. Well, uh, apparently the board is just full of old retirees who are completely out of touch with. Retail anyway. They're all um, rich. Why do they care? Exactly. Well, um, Jay-Z Penny's tanks, they're less rich. But he, uh, no, no one's crying for Ron Johnson because he cashed out. All his, he sold all his stock, I think, a week ago also anyway. So um, what, and he, I'm sure he had a severance package that, that, would, that any of us could live off of for the rest of our lives. He, he, had a, he had a bonus, a hiring bonus that everyone, all of us could live off of, could split and live off of for the rest of our lives. Um, guess what? Apple's looking for a, a director of retail. SVP of retail. Interesting. You can always go back. Uh, and, and what's funny is that JCPenney, their interim CEO, the guy that Ron Johnson replaced, he's back. Really? Yep. Wow, so the old people, so they're going to just roll it back. They're going to make the stores dark again. They totally conan him. <laughs> they did. They're going to bring back the Arizona jeans. Or, or Leno'd him, whatever yeah. is more fitting. They Leno'd him. Yeah, no, no, they conan him. He's, he is conan he in was this Conan'd experience. Him. Yeah, except for, except for he did have more than six weeks. Conan had nine, three months, nine, nine months, nine months. Was that long? Yeah, he took it for granted. We didn't everyone, talk about everyone Fallon. took it for granted. Um, the thing with oh, those type Conan. of retail stores is that the growth market is not teens. 
It could be. You just need to have, make the right. Put a coffee shop in there. Get some of that dubstep in there. People are into that, right? That's still a thing. Yeah, that's unfortunate. I don't know what the last time I went to J.C. Penney to actually buy something. I don't even know where there is a J.C. Penney. What is ceremony? Really? Yeah. Really? Ceremony's the mall by my house, right? It's the one. It's in. It's the, the one at ceremony. one and one hundred one. Yes, it is. Wow, that's bananas! I had no idea. It's a J.C. Penney, and you can buy curtains there. Ah, uh, I can see buying curtains at J.C. Penney. I buy my vacuum stuff, vacuum cleaner stuff at Sears, and my curtain stuff at J.C. Really, I just go to Home Depot and get vacuum cleaners now. Do and you, and also, do you buy a lot of vacuum cleaners. Well, like every five years, they wear out. Also, I got a bagless one, so I haven't had to buy anything for that vacuum cleaner in the entire co- course of its life. It's pretty awesome. Except just, for having to clean out the the container. Well, yeah, that that is a well, point, especially when you have a dog. That's a point of contention in our house because because one person in the house never empties the vacuum cleaner, and the other person always thinks that, that that's why our vacuum cleaners only last five years. Because well, when when it's when the hair when everything stops spinning in the cyclone, yeah, that's then it's time to clean. Yeah, well, that's about thirty seconds if you have a dog that sheds like Chloe. I had to use the same vacuum at at home growing up that my parents got as a wedding present for. <laughs> For Hold um, on. until I moved out, was it a Lady Kenmore? No, I had it a was Kenmore. A, yeah, I I don't remember the brand, but it was one of the like the body rollers. Yes. Like, yeah, with like a hose. Drag, drag the yeah. hose. Yeah, oh, exactly. I love those. Those no, are so no, much better no, than the upright. No, the hose, the momentum scrapes the side, and you get yelled at if it scrapes a yeah. uh, a wall. And it's it's like it's like teaching you to drive <laughs> a big rig. <laughs> were you skidding around corners with the vacuum cleaner? How no, fast you were you pull, going? Because uh, you have the hose and you attach that to the yeah. the, the sucker. And then this you, is the worst conversation we've you, ever had. You pull around a corner and if you're turning, it's like turning a big rig. You're not taking consideration where the, the body is and through all the mass is. Okay. And then also it's a quarter vacuum. And I just had so much anger whenever I was vacuuming that I was just yanking on it as hard as I could. Like didn't give a shit what I was doing to the walls. Just well, time was more so precious back then. You use a hose, you grab the hose close to the base of the vacuum cleaner, and then you have fine control over it because it's flexible, the hose. So you have the the, Wait, the, no, no. the sucky but, but, end on one side and then the hose over here. But if you, and you just pull right But you're not supposed you. to pull on the hose. There you are. You're supposed to pull on the handle on the vacuum. The hose has a whole heavy duty mount on it. Why would you not pull on I the hose? I don't know if the hose if it was that heavy duty. Yeah. My sister used to sit on the vacuum cleaner. We'd drag her around the house, and she'd ride it. Wow. Yeah. It was fun. Good times. Also, don't try to vacuum. Put the vacuum cleaner on someone's, on someone's back with a spinny part. That hurts. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Why would you do that? That's horrible. That, that hurts. That's monstrous. Um, there's a – well, I'm not going to get into that. I'll leave that one alone. Um, there's a California judge who – well, in California, as Norman – well, well, Wes, you don't drive out here very much, I guess, but no. there is a law that prohibits texting while driving. It is a good law. There's frequent signs up above the freeway that say, hey, it's $159 if you get caught texting Minimum. while driving. Minimum, yes. Um, so don't do it. It's dumb. I've seen people do it. I see people do it every day. And it, I it wish tempts I could... me to buy a siren or a horn. That's um, a super illegal, I know it's super you know. illegal. <laughs> but also, if you don't show it, maybe you can't get caught. Um, it's still super illegal. I know it's super legal. If, as soon as you get a ticket, they'll be like, hey, what are those flashy lights under your grill? Um, well, you just need the sound. You don't need the lights. That, yeah. You just need the boop, 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 yeah, as soon, Every time you fired it, you'd have to get off the freeway and like make four turns and go an alternate route. It would be really annoying. 
No. How would they know? Because because somebody if somebody fakes iron me, I would call nine one one and be like, if "Hey, you were texting, some guy in a if you were texting while you were driving." There's no proof I was texting. I guess if you're enough of a jackass to text yeah. while you you would do that as well. All right, I'm the same person who'd narc you out. Um, California judge ruled that the anti-texting law also includes using GPS on a phone. On a phone. So what he's saying is. There's no no loopholes. It's a local. It's a county judge so far. So um, it hasn't. This, I'm sure this case will escalate to the uh, highest levels of California law. Basically, don't touch. He's your saying phone. touching your phone, even oh. to use GPS, is still verboten. What about what about changing music? That is you. You have, I believe, been admonished for that in the past. Yes, I have. Yes, using Spotify. Yes, as long as you stay two two steps ahead of the cops in terms of tech. Yeah. You're all right. Um, it's audio. Don't you use audio, officer? Oh, I was it's like radio. My audio with no A. I was using Instacast, officer. It's a Downcast, is what all the cool kids are listening to podcasts with these days. Norm. Yeah, Downcast is sweet. Downcast is. I still big. like Instacast. It syncs between my iPad and my iPhone. I don't have an iPad. You should get an iPad. It's pretty nice. Just to use Downcast on it. Yes, yeah, I mean it's so that when you're on the bathroom, then you have a bigger screen. It's really you really should, convenient. You shouldn't use an iPad in the bathroom. Well, you shouldn't text while you're driving a car, but that doesn't stop you, Norm. Uh, it does stop me. Next gen. Oh, so anyway, that only applies inside the county that this ruling occurred. It's most likely going to scroll upwards, I think, would be my guess. Um, next gen Thunderbolt. You know, the port on your MacBook that you use to plug in your monitor, maybe, and then nothing else. It's the one that looks like a lightning bolt. It looks like a light. Well, it looks like a display port port with the lightning bolt. The little it. symbol. Looks the, like yeah, it has a lightning bolt next to it. Um, the next gen will be 20 gigabits per second versus 10 gigabits per second. It's unclear whether that's because the next gen, uh, like what what where that speed is. It's going to be the just new, a new controller next it's year. Multiple Still multiple copper. multiple yeah. channels. Still not not it's not yeah. uh, fiber. But uh, is it two ch- is it two channels or is it, is it four two, channels it now? Is, it is I believe. Four well, channels. is yeah. it? I think it's yeah. It's currently four channels, yeah. but it operates well, it's up down in yeah. It operates in dual. Um, so you're right now you're getting 10 both ways, 10 yeah. gigabits both ways. And next year it'll be 20 both ways. And that's still on reaching, two channels. It's just the channels are gonna be twice as fast. Yes. Okay. Like it, two bidirectional channels. Exactly. Four total, yeah. Correct. Um, and so the, the only thing that's changing this year is it supports display port 1.2 now, which means you can use a 4k monitor. Okay. If you get a, whatever basically the new line of macbooks and whatever that come out later this year with haswell yeah will have will come with that controller and that it will be built into the haswell chipset if there's the a high-end haswell chipset if and theoretically this would be the displayport 1.2 stuff would be required if there is a 27 inch retina display 24 if, inch retina display if they oh, went with the 24 if they I think went with people 4K, yeah if they want if they want to do 4k it would be 24 inch retina Okay. Not a 27-inch retina. But, of course, like one of the benefits of Thunderbolt is you can do like daisy-chaining stuff. But yeah. if something in your link is a year old, that's you, you will lose that Oh, that's that grim. Option, so. And that stuff is... Well, you could always put that thing at the end of the chain. R- well, right? you would want it... The, the old thing, yes. Yeah, the old yeah. thing. But if, if you were like plugging into your monitor and then going to your... So next year, if you're going from your monitor to your suite external really fast ssd you know or like external gpu yeah. or something via thunderbolt if your monitor is a couple years old with that thunderbolt port you're not going to get that that 20 gigabit both way 
But there's probably assuming everything has two ports, there's a way to make it work. Where you put the fast stuff on the inside and the slow stuff on the oh, outside. Assuming that doesn't bring the whole for chain a down. GPU, you, the GPU would have through throughput, so the monitor would be on the yeah. side of that. But storage, um, I'm not sure. The so I was at the Apple store the other day picking up my busted MacBook, and which is fixed now, by the way. It was that was nice. You're using it right now. It's free um, under warranty. Under warranty. Uh, under Apple Care, like extended normal. Apple Care. A- I, th- I think I just got normal Apple Care. I can't so remember. You paid the ninety nine dollars a year. Um, or was it I don't remember. This is just warranty. the normal one year warranty, probably. Wow. I got to look and see. I might have paid for the full thing. There were a lot of uh, a lot of feedback from readers who actually yeah. listeners who work at Apple stores, uh, providing various levels of. of of insight into the actual process. I had a lot of people who said that the right way to handle that is just to play dumb. But but if you play dumb, uh, sometimes that helps. You, it is a gamble. It's it's like the parents. If you sometimes the parents always say they want you to be honest, and if you're honest, that's always a the, lie. The honesty will be rewarded for, with lenience and mercy. Did that actually happen in your world? Because in my but world, when I was honest, I always gamble. got nailed. You always take the gamble. You want to feign honesty. You want to give the illusion that you are being, that you are reluctant, that the information you are yielding is 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 something that you're reluctant to, to give up so that you can get that honesty, but still hide the, the really humility. bad thing. Yes. My dad always accused me of being honest enough. So so it was that not you, honest you, enough. No, no, honest enough. He said I was like I was always right on the line of that's just an honest accusation? enough. Accusation? Yeah. So you, that's not yeah. that's not. Nope. You got to show more yeah. more remorse. Yeah. Bring it up. Um, but it was interesting because basically everybody said that that most everyone said that should probably be covered under warranty or it was the kind of thing that they would never be able to figure out. So they would probably just have to cover it because it, it like nowhere in it does it say. Um, you know, piping 12 volts into the USB port is is not covered. It does say misuse is not covered, but using a USB device in a normal fashion is not necessarily user, a bad thing. User error. Uh, yeah. One really interesting email we got, and I don't want to list this person's name, but it's no. someone who works as a, at a service center, Apple service center, is that there is actually a dent inspection tool. Um, this is this was really interesting. And uh, this looks like is a... Is it a magnifying glass? No. No, it, it's... It, it, it's tough to describe. It looks like a beer key. It looks like a beer yeah, opener. It's like an L shaped. It kind of looks like the glyph. Or um, the, it was the glyph? Uh, the, the glyph was that little um, uh, iPhone, iPhone, stand, iPhone right? tripod stand. Um, but it would sit flush, and um, and it, it would tell if the metal was bent. If there's a rock to it, then it, then the metal's bent is what it looks like. Yeah. Um, anyway. I was at the Apple store and I was, you know, they make you stand by the accessory wall while you're waiting for your machine or waiting for the genius. And I was stunned by how many lightning peripherals there are now. They're all hard drives for the most part, but there's a ton of not terribly overpriced um, hard hard drives, SSDs and like RAID arrays, JBODs and stuff like that. Variety is kind of the issue of like the... There's like four manufacturers. The types types of things that you can get. I wonder... Yeah, I, I wonder if people want to know about this information. You mean uh, the the warranty stuff? Yes. Um, well, we can we can get into it. Uh, no, I'm saying like uh, as I'll, a written I'll story. Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna get back to this reader, this listener, who might be listening right now, and figure out what we can do because this is interesting. It was pretty cool. I'd never seen that before. That thing. Um, the one thing that I was surprised is that there aren't any really lightning enclosures yet. Like usually. You can go for thirty or forty bucks and buy a USB three enclosure, a FireWire enclosure for a hard drive that you just put your own drive into, and then it becomes an external drive. 
Uh, but there aren't any of those for Lightning stuff yet, which is which is surprising. Lightning adoption has been real slow because yeah. of the very very strict spec requirements for accessories for Lightning. And there's not a lot of stuff that supports the PC either, even though there's it a is, couple of Sony like it is yeah. technically possible to have Lightning on a PC. Like nobody does basically, but. Uh, one of the things I did for Wirecutter when I was doing big premium storage. Well, are you talking about Thunderbolt? Yes. What did okay. I say? We've you been talking lightning. about Lightning yeah. this whole time. I, I don't know why. I... It's because okay. it's because the picture on the computer is a fucking lightning bolt. Yeah, for Thunderbolt. Um, Dumbasses. But the the big one of the big um, external hard drive things I recommended uh, does like it can work with a Windows PC, but they just don't have it like they don't have the firmware for it basically because nobody. Because There's nothing to test it, it with. Well, yeah, no, because even the computers that have it, and some Sony laptops have it, PC laptops have it, they use third-party controllers, and then you need special firmware for that. Um, well, but it's built into the chipsets on the Intel chipset, so then there'll be more adoption. And I, I use a ton of external drives to move big media files and stuff around and just to supplement the 256 gigs in my laptop. But the, um, the thing that I've found over the years is that if I'm working on Macs and PCs, I usually have a Mac external drive and a PC external drive. Um, just because it's the the issues with file system between Mac and and OS X are still not great. I, I mean, OS X and Windows. Let's call it Light Peak. Go back to. His I liked name. Light Peak. That, that was, was a good name. It was a cool name. Um, do we want to talk about the movie? So let's talk about NAB stuff. There's a ton of good stuff coming out of NAB this week. I kind of feel like maybe we whiffed by not going this year. Last year was maybe a slow year. Um, I think every year is the same year. We just didn't know what to look out for last year. That's possible and too. And also, it's tough to call, see that stuff when you're actually there. That also is true. Um, so there's this thing called the Movi, the movie, I guess. It's like, spelled uh, weird, but M-O-V-I. pronounced movie. Yeah. It's, um, a, it's, a, I don't, I don't, I understand the stuff that it's replacing in a, in a like theoretical way, but I don't understand exactly what the differences are. But basically it's a gimbals based, um, image. Gyro stabilization sta- yeah, stabilization system for cameras. A three axis gyro stabilization system ha- for handheld, um, um, steady, Camera, so it's like a yeah. handheld steady cam basically. But instead of using a weight base, steady cams are weight based, so you use a, a counterweight uh, that's lower or change the center of gravity so that where you hold the camera, so when you do handheld movement, um, it is it looks steady. It's like the um, the 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 guns that Vasquez and what's his name, you Lebowski, um, used in, in, aliens? in aliens were based on steady cam mounts, those ones with the weird pivots. That was Maybe. a st- that was a steady cam count that was modified yes. for use in the movie. If you if you don't know what it's also you can go to YouTube and Google steady cam and there are like a million videos where so people the, the are showing you what it looks like. So the basic principle from what I understand and maybe Joey can clarify is that a steady cam works by changing the center of balance, and so that the weight is not so you're using when you're holding the camera the weight isn't on the lens or the camera it is somewhere else where when you're moving it it is a, your your natural hand movements look more smooth because the weight is holding it steady. There's the shift. Um, it, well, it separates your movement from the movement of the camera is the other thing. And you, people have made really cheap steady cam substitutes um, by just attaching a pole to a bottom of a camera and you hold the bottom of the pole where the weight is and then you, so you're not shaking the camera. Um, I think, uh, what's the guy's name? Johnny Chun-Li. He made one of the first cheap... Um, Cheap Steadicam system. The thing with the with the uh, with the weight and the pipe, weight right? And the pipe. Yeah. Um, so this is not that. Uh, this keeps the camera steady uh, by using um, gyros. Um, 
and the video, which you have to watch online, looks incredible. Uh, basically, someone is, you can hold the system, and you can, you know, once you have it set up so it, the camera uh, stays uh, fixed, you can basically move around the camera, move the system around the camera uh, as fast as you want, and the camera will stay fixed. Um, and then you get translation, really nice translation movement without rotation. Yeah, the amazing thing about the that that video was watching the guy go down the spiral staircase with what would have been like a crazy boom shot or something with a with a more traditional system. And also they're using they're mounting them on drones. So they're mounting them on camera drones, like eight rotor high high capacity camera drones. So you have one op two operators controlling uh, one operator controlling the drone, one operator controlling the camera and the gimbals, and they're getting these unbelievable aerial shots that otherwise you'd have to pay a helicopter for basically. Right. It was really cool. Because, um, I mean, drones, putting cameras on drones is not new, and the, the shots look great, but then you need to have a good stabilization system as well. Yeah. And, and Or you have to shoot them in higher resolution that you're going to want an image stabilized, and that, that your mileage may vary with that. So the system was announced at NAB, and it's $15,000, and that's a, a system that will hold a camera up to 10 pounds, Yeah, uh, which is not a lot. Um, it will do a DSLR with a nice lens um, and some gearing, but... It is for that market. It is, um, it's, it's not for putting red cameras and area Alexas or any of that stuff. Well, and and you know, renting that kind of stuff is expensive. If you rent a steady camera, rent a, rent a boom for a couple of days, that can run you that same same amount of money. Um, they they also announced uh, Blackmagic. Also announced new uh, 4K cameras uh, and two these, of them. Right. These seem like they could be a pretty big deal for independent filmmakers trying to make a movie on, you know, 50 grand or something like that. So we saw the Blackmagic camera last year, Blackmagic cinema cam, and that was a 2.5K camera that was supposed to be very reasonably priced, uh, at least compared to like a very high-end DSLR that will shoot 1080p. Mm -hmm. um, and I was I walked away pretty unimpressed with that because just the controls were very, like it was all touchscreen controls. Um, and those, the sensor on that was, I think, based on a, um, a micro four-third sensor. Uh, so even though you can use EF lenses, the, I, I was not, not optimistic about the light reception, light quality on those cameras. Uh, but a lot of people who were in that market for, I think, uh, I don't know exactly how much that one costs. It was like three grand or some, something. Yeah, right? it's it, five, it's it was under much, five grand. Much cheaper than buying something like a RED. Um, and then this year, even NAB, less than like a Sony FS seven hundred. Well, yeah, much much less than ten thousand um, dollars. This year, they announced a four K camera, but then the big announcement was a small pocket camera that shoots ten eighty p. And what they say is raw, and that's cinema DNG, uh, uncompressed video, and on, onto SD cards. Um, and it looks like a it looks like a like a point and shoot. It looks like a mirrorless camera. It's the size of what people say is the size of an iPhone, but does high quality ten eighty p. And so what we're seeing is. You know, we're, we're seeing faster processors get smaller and image sensors gets, get smaller and, and not needing a big, bulky, uh, a big bulky camera to get advantage of good quality video, uh, which is really the advantage of digital video, uh, the, the size and weight and portability and mobility compared to a film camera. And, but th this camera, they say it's a, a Super 16 equivalent, and if you look, look at the sensor size, that's even smaller than Micro Four Thirds. You're talking about like a 3x crop factor when you're putting a lens on. Well, but a lot of stuff's been shot on. I mean, Super 16 is a format that is. Oh yeah. That is. If you want Clerks that, was shot on Super 16, right? Yes. Um. I think yes. Uh, let's let's. Um, that one's a thousand dollars. 
thousand dollars is pretty impressive. Um, do you want to talk about the Panasonic uh, Micro Four Thirds cameras, or do you want to do you want to go to the Phantom? Talk Let's about talk about the Phantom, Phantom Flex. So again, another big thing at NAB um, was uh, what's the company Vision Research uh, that makes the Phantom. Uh, basically, they make the the high um, high speed cameras that the guys uh, the slow mo guys use. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've seen in movies well, like and Sherlock Holmes. Jamie and Adams' and, production crew uses and, them. And, yep. Yeah. And now they have one that does 1,000 FPS in 4K. Uh, and the first video they showed of that looked incredible. Incredible. Um, it, this video is on the site, right? It is on the site. Yeah. Uh, and then the other big nab news was the Panasonic Micro Four Thirds. They have a new Micro Four Thirds GF6 camera, which is comparable this to... This is still camera, right? It's still camera. Okay. It's, it's, like, it's like a mirrorless camera. Um, this is comparable to the 5 Series from Sony um, or Canon's EOS M. It's $680, which I still think is a lot to pay for a mirror, uh, Micro Four Thirds sensor camera. How much is it? $680. That's all. Well... With a lens. Oh, for Micro Four Thirds. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. That's what I mean. You get an F five for that, or uh, the five R. Five R, yeah, the new one. Um, I guess that's it for NAB news. Uh, Sony Sony announced that they're selling four K sets by the end of April, and they're cheaper than I expected. These are the ones we saw at CES. Uh, well, you saw at CES, right? Uh, the ones they had last year. So their first four K TV was twenty five thousand dollars, which is the normal price. I mean, when the first 1080p sets came out, that's what they cost. When the first 720p sets came out, that's what they cost. When the first LED LCD super thin ones, yeah. that's, they were ten thousand dollars plus. Um, and then at CES, they introduced two more sizes: a sixty five inch and a fifty five inch. And the sixty five inch cost seven thousand dollars. What? Which what I think is what? that's pretty good. That's not not bad. I mean, if you're if you have seven thousand dollars to spend on a TV, an early adopter, and um, that's much much easier stomach than twenty five thousand dollars. Well, yeah, you can't buy a car for you can't buy a new car for seven grand. But you I think buy two smart cars for twenty five grand almost. Okay, size. You could probably buy like four real crappy cars for that. Oh, I I bet you could buy twenty five real crappy. If you if you want to talk about crappy cars, drivable, drivably crappy cars. Mm, probably five hundred bucks is the floor on drivable cars these days, right? Drivable for like we last should, you legs. Know, we should get some five hundred dollar cars and do a road race. You, you mean Top Gear? That's what they. Oh do yeah, like that every is season. that is a that is a Top Gear. Yeah, but um, they don't do it in San Francisco. They don't yeah. do it. In, oh, they have done one in San Francisco. We could go to Portland. We, we had to call it the Hipster Challenge. We had a drag five. race like right outside our house. A month ago or something. I don't so. think it was a drag race. It was some type of Fast and Furious thing. Like uh, street racers with lights and shit on their were, car? Well, here's, here's the thing. It was I, I think it was maybe a hundred, at least a hundred cars. It was a lot of cars. it lasted for at least 10 minutes. It got really loud outside. Did the cops not come? What happened Did was that the it was, there's a big boulevard outside my house called Sunset Boulevard, and there's stoplights on that. Yeah. And these cars were mixed with other cars who were just driving along. <sighs> And they would actually stop. Because it was like 1230 at night, so there wasn't a lot of traffic, but there was still some. Right. And they would stop at each light and then rev up. And when the lights would stop, they would speed up to the next light. That's why I was basically drag racing, because they were driving like 200 yards. Yeah. It's their long blocks, but it's still not very far. And then drive for like three seconds and then stop. And it went on for at least 15 minutes. So were there, was there somebody in the middle of the road like holding a flag? Was there like a pretty girl out there or something or no? There was not that. There was a lot of xenon lights. Did you see pink, a lot of pink slips lights. traded or anything like that? Uh, one of our housemates was caught in the middle of it. Like on the road? In the road. And Oof. there was a cop checks, uh, checkpoint uh, like a mile back. Well, nice um, work, guys. 
and like a DUI checkpoint. No, no, no. Like a like some a, a police car parked on the side of the road, and a cop standing there. Huh. Um, was the rock there? No, we I didn't don't believe see the him. rock was there, and I, I have no idea what it was. I did all the googling I could. Those guys, the time, it's underground. No man. one had it's tweeted like on the or wrote about it. I um when I get I, on MySpace for that. Yeah. When I lived, live journal. When I lived in the sunset, people would come down the road from Gary's old house because I, I lived down the hill from where they lived until just recently, and they would come barreling down at like eighty-five miles an hour and then just do donuts in the in the four-way stop at the top of a hill. And one day, a kid got his back wheel off of the edge of the because it, it was one of those hills where it's like steep coming down and then flat and then steep coming down, and his back one of his back wheels like went off. And when it came back on, he skidded real bad and took out like three cars that were parked on the street. Two o'clock in the morning. It was really pretty awesome. I want to see somebody ghost riding someday. What's ghost riding? At least I believe that's the right term. It's where you drive your car at like 10, 15 miles an hour and then you get out of it while it's still moving and then you dance around the right car. outside the car yeah, or around then, the car? Dude, 15 miles in. an hour is hella fast to, to run not, not 15. Like, basically, uh, drift speed. Um, not, no, no, drift like, speed's like, pretty fast, man. Not drifting, man. but like neutral. Oh, oh, right, oh, coasting. Right. Coasting speed. Okay. Yeah, not, not like, fast People drift at like drifting. 60 miles an hour. No. Like, you're not pushing on the pedal, but your car is rolling I think forward. I did see that once. It was a thing for a while. I'm sure it's still This sounds dumber than planking, man. Oh, it's real dumb. I mean, uh, at least one person has, like, run themselves over with their car. <laughs> oh, shit. I've totally seen this. Of all the stupid happen. things to die of, being run over by your own car would be really, really bad. While dancing. Or getting your car stolen while that happens, while you're dancing around. That would car. be hard to that explain to the a, cop. That would be amazing. <laughs> Depends on whether you like your car or not, right? I, uh, this is a perfect use of a, a drone with a camera behind you. Exactly. Following you. Exactly. Um, so they also announced this the 4K media player. Uh, it's available now, or available at the same time as the TVs. It's going to be seven hundred bucks, but the downloads, the four K downloads, the six this movies or whatever, the, are pushed back. This uh, is circular media player that holds that comes with ten movies. It looks like a Roomba. Um, it's flat on top. Yeah, it looks like a spool of film. If you buy a four K TV, there's not much you can watch on it that's actually in four K. You can up convert stuff, and the scalers are they look okay. But if you want real native four K content. You basically have to buy this media player, and even the movies that come on this media player, many were not shot in 4K, and they were just upconverted. Oh, hold on. So instead of instead of like re ripping the film master, I want to say that for I, I want maybe the majority of them are, but I don't think like I don't only a few of them. Were it was shot a weird 4K. list of movies, right? It's all Sony Pictures, and it was like Spider Man, The Amazing Spider Man, and then like five things you probably didn't want to watch: guys, Deuce Bigelow uh, or something, Taxi Driver. Bridge of a River Kwai. Hold on, Taxi Driver, the Robert De Niro Taxi Driver? Or, the, okay. Oh, I guess it was Taxi. Sony was did the, a really big uh, restoration of Taxi Driver just in the past yeah, so maybe, couple maybe years. That was, okay. It's part of it. Is that, was that a Columbia film? Is that why Sony's doing it? Must have been. I guess. I don't know. Um, and then uh, the digital textbook story. This was interesting. The New York Times had a story about uh, how core smart e-textbooks are... Basically, narking on the kids who don't ever open the e-textbook. Uh, so I this, welcome that challenge. The professors can come in, look at, look and see how much of the book you've read. Whether you highlighted stuff, which is the biggest bullshit thing. Because, like, did you ever how highlight you like stuff? them apples? No, you don't highlight stuff. Yeah, I mean, who highlights? I was looking I, at the highlighting kids and thought, eh, highlighting kids. It's I special. took notes on the side. Once I got in AP, you just took notes. I would. Yeah, I mean, 
I would do notes and then maybe highlight those, but not in the. I never highlighted anything. AP, uh, not AP. Um, in college, when I took um, like the uh, com law, when I took com law and like had to really study. What's commercial law? Communication law. Oh. Um, and had to know like. Wow, that's a serious J that's school That's not class. con law. That's a hundred constitutional law. Like a hundred court cases per test that were. <sighs> You know, well, that serious stuff. Terrible. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't really remember any of it. Yeah, um, well, but I knew it really well for a year, <laughs> for the three weeks you needed it for the test. Um. I, yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't know how I feel about this because I shared one, textbooks I don't a lot. Like digital textbooks. Yeah. Um. Called me old fashioned, but I, I do not like. Textbooks suck ass. Come yeah, on. I, I feel I see the appeal. I think of an interesting textbook. I, I wish I kept some of my more interesting textbooks. I just donated all of my old textbooks that I kept for 15, 20 years to the San Francisco Public Library Trust. So I'm going to go ahead and tell you, you're, at some point in your life, if you had kept them, you will look at that pile in your garage and be like, I'm a real dumbass. There are a rare few. You always plan for the scenario text- where you're isolated in your home and society has gone awry and you need reading material. I'm never planning <sighs> for that scenario. I always wonder, huh, do I have enough in my room and within a 20-meter radius to sustain myself intellectually while I barricade all my doors and windows? But yes. I don't think you yes, have I full do. appreciation for the challenges of finding food in the post-apocalypse. The textbook I would keep would be like Vivian Sobchak's, like science fiction screening space textbook. And because it's actually well-written and, and super interesting, but that's not going to help me survive when there's zombies being Also, the it's the reason why I care, uh, keep three pairs of extra glasses hidden in my room somewhere. Oh, I do keep extra glasses. Yeah. So in 2000... You, you, you want to you be the Twilight Zone guy where the glasses break. No, in, in Y2K, it was the first time I'd had glasses in 15 years. I was like, well, if society breaks down and all of the computer-controlled optici- opticians shit stops working, yep. I want to be able to see. Extra pairs of glasses. I bought two years' worth of contacts. I don't. At that point, you, glasses. I well, but you, at that point, you strap your glasses to your head like a pair of goggles so they don't fall off. I bought a pair of crokies the other day for jogging. I don't know what those are. They're those neoprene straps you put on that go up in the side of your glasses and hold them squeezed on so they don't flop around. They're Can't a, you make them? Uh, I mean, I guess I could, but it was easier to pay four dollars. They are a, a frat didn't, boy. Did we make them last year? Icon, but yeah, standard. No, 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 that's different. So these go. This goes around the back of your head. Oh, those. Yeah, those and things. Those, those like bright green ones. I got a black one. Um, you need croquis, a visor, not a baseball cap. I'm although not, a I, baseball cap will work. I'm not Steve Spurrier. And a pink collared shirt. And then I need to go to the lake. <laughs> Sa- salmon, salmon, salmon shirt. is good. Yeah. <laughs> and flip flops. Yeah. Well, if you go to the lake, a strap to keep your sunglasses from going in the ocean or the, in the lake is important. Because it's easy to lose sunglasses in the lake. I just and, wear and shitty a keen plastic sense sunglasses of in the, the lake. value of gold and, and, and currency what, what, and, what? Doing, and accounting stuff. What are you talking about? Is that type of person who would do that? Why? Why would you? Why do? You, why did you need those things again? Because when I jog with my sunglasses on, then they flap around like fucking crazy and they drive me crazy. Why do you need glasses when you jog? Because I can't see traffic. Also, I like to see things. Like going jogging without my glasses on is like a, the blurriest world you've ever been in. How about how about this? Maybe you're just not meant for the. Outdoors. I'm gonna let you wear my glasses and nope. you go jogging so you can see what it's like. That's all right. We okay. should shoot video of you jogging without your glasses on. Yeah, this would be fantastic. For have like you seen Gattaca? The, I have not actually. The last time, wow, really? No, I want to. It's you on, should. It's on my list. You should watch that. It's really good. No, the last time I went jogging without glasses, I ran up to what I thought was a big dog, and it was a small deer. So. You know, mistakes. 
The guy who directed Gattaca just recently did The Host, the Stephanie Andrew Meyer. Nichols, he did. Yes. Yeah. He also did because he that was sad. a rebound from In Time. Oh, he made that also movie? Also kind of sad. Oh, that was not a good movie. And that was a rebound from... The crappy movie he did after Gattaca. Gattaca oh was really good. It was, was, it, was it the robot movie? Uh, Bicentennial Man? No, that was Christopher <laughs> Columbus. Fuck Christopher Columbus. Andrew Nichol is who we're talking Andrew about Nichol here. Andrew Nichol is who we're talking the about. The Truman Show? He did Truman Show, but he didn't do... that. Was I think he wrote The Truman Show. He did write The Truman Show. I think it was Gattaca, Truman Show. Lord of War then, is the movie you're thinking yeah. about. With Nick Cage. Well, I liked Lord of War. It's it was not a good his, movie. But his it face was, is made of guns, right? right? Or bullets. bullets. Yeah. Yeah. Not his real face. And it looks like he directed The Truman Show, too. That was pretty good. Simone was the other was the movie you're thinking That's about. That's what I'm thinking of. Simone. He also did the Terminal or was involved. Did in that Al Pacino somehow. just go around he screaming the whole time in Simone? Because that's kind of what he's done since about '93. No, he actually was very calm. Simone was. Uh, I, I quite enjoyed that. I never saw Simone. Um, it was short for Simulation One. Great, that sounds fantastic. Was it the movie with the girl from Dawn of the Dead with the with the mutant child? Was it? No, no. What was the movie? Sarah uh, Polly and it was uh, Matt Rory did a fantastic <laughs> review of it. Did she have the mutant child in Dawn of the Dead or in this? No, she had the mutant child in this movie. Oh God, Splice! I was oh yeah, that was not a good no. movie. Um, oh. And Wes, you wrote something for uh, Polygon. Yeah, uh, about Mega Man. I love Mega, Mega, Mega Man. Man. Ultra Mega Man. Uh, so it's this story I've been working on for a while and I ended up collaborating with uh, another guy at Polygon who's McWhorter. on there. Yeah, Mike McWhorter. Um, who's you know, on he there to do oh stuff. No, I'm sorry. I, I, I confuse him with Mike Fahey sometimes. He used to be at Kotaku. Yeah, they both um, are yeah. Kotaku. Uh, and it's a... Yeah, the, the we worked on the story for a really long time. Um, but basically this game... Uh, was developed by a studio called Armature, who most people haven't heard of because they haven't put anything out publicly. Is it like one of those Japanese studio for hire games where they like, like level five used to be, where they would just make uh, like? So Armature is a Western. They're based okay. in Texas, um, but they did. They are like an independent contract studio. Okay. And uh, before he left, before he left Capcom, while he was still at Capcom, uh, the creator of Mega Man, Keiji Inafune, became like head of he had a really high ranking position uh for about a year he was like head of capcom gaming you know something like a pretty high ranking position and started some projects with western developers because he is one of the very harsh outspoken critics of japanese game industry is crappy and is like having trouble appealing to western audiences and we need to learn from the west and work with the west uh so he started up this mega man game with Armature, who, which was founded by uh, three guys who were the key uh, developers at Retro Studios on the Metroid Prime trilogy. Oh, so this was post-Metroid Prime? It was right after the third Metroid Prime came out. They left Retro and founded okay. their new studio. Uh, and then eventually, like, two or three more uh, members from Retro went, went over to them. Uh, and so they started this game and worked on a prototype of it for about six months and before it was it was basically ready to enter full production and uh keiji inafune left capcom uh and then it kind of everything fell apart for mega man um and since then and this so this game did not go into production so, so what kind of game was it it's a first person shooter uh it looks 
if you like the prototype video they put out looks very much like Metroid Prime in that it's first person but it still has some elements i guess that seem kind of familiar to the series like it's it's missing it's like a so the video we put up is like a five minute video do you have like an augmented reality hud over is that what his glasses are it's kind of very metroidian like fixed gun and like with like kind of almost looking like you're looking through um, a helmet not not it, like it the does field have, of view is kind of narrow it does have like kind of a, a hud layout uh, around the screen yeah um and and so I supposedly the game was going to have kind of classic Mega Man X elements in that you would get abilities from bosses you killed. You could use some enemies' weapons against them. You would have like the dash move. You dash toward an enemy to kill them. Do a finishing move. Do or something, do right? wall jumps. So like that. That's not something that the old Mega Man X had. Um, but uh, so they made it like a Metroidvania kind of like a first person Metroidvania. Well, not necessarily. I mean, the, the Metroidvania descriptor has more to do with like level design, like unlocking and, stuff, yeah. and yeah. Um, so it could have turned out to be kind of like that. Okay. Um, but the the prototype is just basically shooting and like dashing around and doing melee stuff. Do you think people want those types of games in first person? I would buy a Mega Man, a first person Mega Man I would say game. A Metroidvania type of. Oh. Endless exploration, room for room stuff in first person. Um, I think if it's done well, yeah. I mean, it depends how big an audience you're saying. Like, Metroid Prime is one of the most critically acclaimed games ever. Yeah. And but it didn't sell a ton. And I mean, and and like by the time the third one came around, I like I finished the first the first one I devoured, the second one I enjoyed, and the third one I kind of got you know I played a fair amount of that, but kind of was like the formula got a little tired. I thought. Yeah, um, so it, I don't think this would have actually played that much like it. Okay. But the the kind of promising thing about it is that these guys knew how to work with a Japanese company and like take a Japanese character and you know they did they did justice to Metroid. Maybe they would have done a really good job with this. It could have turned out to be a nightmare and like you know the the prototype is definitely not a pretty game and it doesn't look anything like old Mega Man did. And who knows what the art style would have kind of evolved into if it was a, a full game. Could have been a disaster. Could have been super awesome. But after Inafune left Capcom uh, in the year or so following, um, basically everything Mega Man kind of died. Uh, Mega Man Legends 3 got canceled. Yeah. Um, they had this project called Mega Man Universe that was an online thing that got canceled. There was one called Mega Man Online that got canceled. Um, and so since then, the only stuff they've really put out is a really, really terrible mobile-like Flash game and Street Fighter X Mega Man Cross Mega Man, which is a fan game, actually. Um, when so. you're talking about... Um, like a game made by fans? Yeah, like they a, then fan, a fan literally made this Flash game called Street Fighter Cross Mega Man, and they put it out for Mega Man's 25th anniversary. Isn't Mega Man wow. in uh, a fighting game? So they put, uh, they didn't put Mega Man in Marvel vs. Capcom 3, oh. but they put out a uh, fat uh, American cover yeah, Mega that's Man what I'm thinking of, in right? Street Fighter okay. across Tekken, right. which I thought was really funny. Uh, some fans found that kind of offensive. What because do you mean? What do you mean? You like the guy from the cover of the NES game? Yeah, yeah. the one with like his knees are oh, all that's awesome. out and he looks real dumb. Yeah. Yeah. They, they put him in Street Fighter like Cross Tekken. Disfigured Mega Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which, which is funny. Um, is funny. Art, but it, it takes on kind of a different light when that's the only 
appearance of Mega Man in a Capcom game in the past right. two or three years. I loved the, what was it, the first Dead Rising game? You could collect all the Mega Man stuff and had the Be ball Mega blaster. Man. Frank West Frank Mega West Man. Mega Man. That was awesome. Um, is, when has a side-scrolling, classic side-scrolling game been adapted to first or third person well outside of Metroid? I mean, Bionic Commando, I think, did well. Do you think I, I didn't the, like that Bionic Commando game very much. I yeah, just felt so, like the controls were really hard. So one of the things about this game is it was kind of coming off. It was being developed right after Bionic Commando mm-hmm. came out, basically, yeah. and that game did not perform well. Is that right. a Capcom game, too? It was. Okay. Um, and I can't remember if it was with a Western studio um, no, developing it. Was Eastern, it. I think it was Eastern European. Did the, um, so I think it was um, Grin. Did the, at least maybe they just did the PC part. Yeah, I, I can't remember. Um, but so, yeah, I mean, it, it's... It's pretty rare. Like, Metroid Prime was... There was a reason everybody f- was super pissed off and flipped out when that game was announced because I don't think that had ever been done successfully if it had right. even been attempted. Um, and since then, I can't think off the top of my head of many examples of that, let alone good examples. Well, Mario, I guess. Well, but that... But that, in he changed, that changed from side-scroller to a third-person... But I mean, the camera and stuff like that. The, the, like that game got away with what it did because nobody was used. Nobody had figured out third-person cameras yet. It, it, like Mario sixty-four, while a brilliant game, had a terrible third-person camera. Mario has made yeah. a very graceful transition out of side-scroller as, and a, then as a character, back into side-scroller. So, so you're saying you're just talking two D to three D, yeah. not to first-person specifically. Yeah, to third-person or first-person. I mean, so like Sonic certainly didn't do it yeah, well. No. Um, Rayman, I think, did it well, 2D, 3D, and then back to 2D uh, with the Origins. I never played the 3D Rayman games. I just played the 2D I'd, ones. I'd be interested in a fun third-person Mega Man or first-person Mega Man game. Yeah, I mean, the problem with Mega Man, the problem with shooting in those games is that, that you ha- either use Z-Lock or, you know, it's... It's like it's it's just hard to aim. Well, what what is the defining like attribute that. of that game? The defining attribute of that of Mega Man to me is that you kill the boss and then you use the boss's weapon to kill the other bosses. Like, is that specific path? Is that it's a kind of a non-linear except for it's super linear? Yeah. Really. So so in well, that was kind of the difference between the f- original Mega Man and Mega Man X. Like one of the big differences is in the first Mega Man, you tackle eight bosses any way you want. You get their powers, you use them against them. X had that but then it added in hidden like extra extra abilities within levels so like you would find a wall somewhere that you would bust through and that's how you would get more the dash or or like an extra energy tank or armor that you know helmet yeah exactly so you would get some abilities and stuff outside of the bosses and no rush right Um, what do you mean no rush the dog yeah, oh. D- new characters and stuff in that, gotcha. that series. Um, so I, I, they plan to have that all that stuff in. And like one of the one of the things in the demo is he's fighting like big robots and he hits one and like it has a a big like laser cannon or something on its shoulder and he like rips that off and then like and a quick puts it on his shoulder. Style. Yeah, and then like yeah. you can fire that a couple times. Right. But that wasn't like the only mechanic. Yeah. Like you would still fight bosses and get like a permanent, you know, like. I think the, for me, the defining attribute of what made Mega Man games fun and tough is that uh, the timing of the jumps over projectiles, uh, over pellets, basically. And well, it was a the, the the at least the early Mega Man NES games that I played, which is because I, I stopped before this NES was available. Uh, probably had a SNES really, but they were always the jump timing was always brutal. 
because even even jumping from platform jumping to platform advancing. required a lot of pre precision. The, the good ones, at you. especially like Mega Man Two, had really really tight like smart level design that yeah. was tough but also really rewarding. Like when you when you knew how to to jump at the exact right time and yeah. Th those are the games, like in the X Games too, where when you watch somebody really good play them, it's if you're not also really good at them, it's like it's actually more enjoyable, and you really appreciate the amount of design, like how good the design is when you see somebody playing it really well, and you're like, wow, like I didn't understand. How it's like a fighting game. Yeah, you exactly. Didn't, you didn't realize that there was a difference between a player who was good at this game and a player who was bad at this game yeah. until you see somebody who was really good or really bad, I guess. Um, do we want to talk about Ouya a little bit or no? That was on Polygon. You can find it. You can read it now. Yeah, basically. and it, it was on 90 Seconds on the Verge today, which is Ooh. pretty cool. Ooh. Big time. They're the same company, Wes. That's true. Yeah, they're cro <laughs> that's cross-promotion, dude. But they're on the other coast, so. Well. Um, Ouya? Reviews have started trickling out. I guess Kickstarter pre-orders are coming in and, and all that stuff. Uh, do people like... The, we haven't talked about Ouya in ages. We were kind of down on it last time we talked about it. We did not pre-order one, No, to be fair. Uh, we, we did not pay the $99 to back it initially. Um, I was so disinterested that it wasn't worth filling out, taking a picture of a receipt and filling out a line on an expense report to get one. There's kind of a schism now between people who like journalists who got early copies and reviewed it and they're like, hey, this thing sucks because the software is not ready and and blah, blah. And Which is not the mission of Ouya because they'll say that it's it's an, it's a oh, software is always a work in progress. And then there are other people who are saying, well, yeah, it sucks right now, but that's okay because it's not officially launched or, you know. And it was always built. So apologists. It was always built as a, as a platform for development. Um, that anyone who bought a Ouya could be an Android developer, or you could use Ouya to load up whatever software you want um, to make it your media streamer. But isn't it isn't it shipping with emulators? It is not shipping with emulators. But you can but download you can them totally off the download store and or whatever. Emulators from Ouya, the company is first and foremost a uh, an app platform. Uh, the hardware is just Android, and uh, yes, they put some design effort into it and. Their big thing is playing, you know, the reason they release hardware is so you can play the games on TV because that's, that's their big push. But at this point, their app ecosystem is, is, is very meager. I'm in entertained by how brazen they are with the emulator thing. They're just like, yeah, emulators are sweet. Go for it. Yeah, that doesn't like... PS ROMs are illegal. Yeah, if I was a, if I was a developer looking at platforms to support... And I had to choose between Microsoft, who clearly hates independent developers, Sony, who's kind of into them right now, for, for which is a big turn, or Ouya, which is like, yeah, don't pirate ROMs, but here's a whole shitload of emulators. I think that there's a pretty clear choice. I, I think the, the, the line of Ouya is, you know, we are bringing games back from mobile, taking, taking that market share from, away from mobile and back to so, the television, to the, to the, the living room. Um, but really what they're saying is here's a way for you to play all your old games on your, in your, that you had on the NES and PlayStation on your TV again. So what's the, what, what are the, what are the, like what's in the market? Do we know? I know that Cannabalt was one of the launch titles. The there are some fairly big names, but I don't know that they'll be available for launch. Okay. Um, so Robert Bowling, uh, who left Infinity, Infinity Ward yeah. and founded his company i forget what it's robo ninja or something i don't know what it's called 
uh, they they're making a game like I don't even, it might even be exclusively on Oya. Hmm. Um, the Double Fine Adventure is going to be on there. Mm-hmm. A few other kind of substantial indie games of that caliber. But the other complaints were that the interface was just slow. And there were problems with like the hardware, the, like too. The, like, like the, the UI. Controllers would, like, you know, the panels, the controllers would pop off. Um, yeah, it sounded it, like people were kind of down on the controller. Yeah. Um, at least, like, a few impressions I read. People didn't think the controller felt that good. And that's something that, you, like, you're stuck with it. I yeah. Mean, yeah. Well, you can use a PS3 controller with it. Can you? Yeah, it has its Bluetooth. That's good. Um, in fact, because I think Patrick was saying... Can you use a 360? Like, I, You might be USB? able to use a wired one. I don't think you can use a wireless unless... I don't know if the dongle works. I don't know if the US... I don't know anything about the... I know that the PS3 controller is something you should theoretically be able to use. I mean, it's still bad that the default controller isn't good. Like, that, that right. should be good. But. And, and, like, Patrick even said when he was talking about his, uh, his hands-on with it at GDC that, like, the trigger was squeaky on the demo unit they had in the press room to for people to use which is theoretically going to be the best controller like, they've like ever produced it if they are doing their jobs properly the one that is demoed to the press should be the finest example of ouya controllerness that there is and worst case the people who bought one or backed it spent 100 bucks to get um and yes yeah, so your game in a, a in two thirds out a, uh, a dev- you know, something that can play Android games and run Netflix and be a media streamer. Xbox. I mean, if nothing else, ninety nine bucks for an XBMC machine is not. Yeah, I mean, I paid way bad. more than that for a boxy box two years ago. So, nice job, guys. It's it's a little weird to me that their their response to the you know the early press reviews is oh well we haven't sent out any press units you know we'll send them out when our official launch happens in May or June or they whenever didn't that send is. Out press units. They so those not. are all Kickstarters. They're all Kickstarter backers and. That's basically implying like it's o- these shouldn't be reviewed, and it's okay that our backers I are that's getting. A fair I, I, I'm I, that's, o- I that's okay because yeah. if you're a backer, you know you, you're a developer, or you're paying. You know, getting getting the the theory of backing is not supposed to be a pre-order system. You're helping them achieve their dream. Um, they're a very ambitious stream, and you're getting a reward, which is an early unit. I well, think, or I think most of those backers, though, are just people who are they're getting this thing earlier than people who buy it off of the website. Which, and, which is a problem with the way Kickstarter works. And they're getting a shitty, like, p- p- beta alpha OS. Well, like, but, but theoretically, they should have, you know, they should have... Uh, um, like they they should be messaging that like if you are getting a Kickstarter pre-order then it's like the Oculus when when you pre-order an Oculus when you order an Oculus headset right now you have to click a box that says I understand this is for developers and if I am just a normal person who wants to play games I should wait until the commercial release in December if you want to go ahead and buy this anyway pre- click this button so I think that was messaged and it's not the, it's just a developer uh, development yeah. kit um, which Ouya can be but it is an early you are an early adopter of Ouya, and you will bear with us as we solve our problems uh, leading up to the retail July release. And that the, de- the, the interesting thing about the Ouya is that the device is the dev kit, too. So unlike pretty much every other console ever, including, um, I guess the exception is at the XNA stuff, um, where you can release Xbox games for basically paying a $100 fee, uh, you have to get a dev kit, and dev kits are expensive. So even the the Wii U HTML5 game initiative that they announced requires a high-end PC and and a couple thousand dollars worth of software, a thousand dollars worth of software, or something like that. So, so yeah, I mean, it, it, in that regard, it's super interesting. I, I, I you know, you kind of want them to succeed. Ninety-nine bucks is a 
is worth taking a chance on, though, if you like playing games, I guess. I don't know if it's worth an HDMI port. That's the question. So how many HDMI ports do I have and what's, what's worth going in them? Um, and on that, unless we have more news that has come in recently, I'm going to push on, uh, play some music, and talk about what we've been testing. Hey, Norm. Hey, Will. We went to the Exploratorium this morning. We did go to the Exploratorium this morning. And it wasn't in the same place the Exploratorium was the last time I went to the Exploratorium. Nope. The Exploratorium, which is one of the oldest science museums uh, in the country. Yeah. Really? Um, is that true? Yes. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. 40 years ago. Started Pi Day. It, they did. We learned that they were the one of the... Uh, the originators. Warriors, uh, the th- March 14th, uh, being a day celebrated by... Pie lovers and scientists and I love math pie. nerds uh, was r- originated at the Exploratorium. Um, they've moved locations from the Palace of Fine Arts, um, which is an even older institution in San Francisco, to now the Pier. Um, they were Pier closed. 15. Pier 15. They were closed, I believe, in uh, late October, November of last year, and have been making this transition. It's been a, a transition eight years in the making since they've secured the location on Pier 15. And the new facility uh, is, is quite cool. Um, so I've, I've given flack in the past to uh, science museums, uh, especially the tech museum. And yeah, I, you I, had some real stuff to say. Yeah, because the last time I went to the, the tech museum, I was not impressed. Um, and When was that, just, at, just for full disclosure? Uh, two and a half years ago. Okay. And typically what happens is I go to a science museum and there's an exhibit there that is cool or there's a, an IMAX. Like you go in for a specific thing. And, but, and, and you pay the admission price and you walk around. And some of these exhibits, uh, while... Uh, they would be interesting to me maybe if I was a lot younger. Uh, they're frankly outdated. Um, and I think in the past six months, I've been to at least five more of these exhibits or museums around the country just in my travels. Every time I go to a new city, I go to their local science museum, um, whether it's the one with the planetarium, an aquarium, or you know a general purpose science museum, and we're fortunate in San Francisco because we have two of these. We have yeah. the Academy of Sciences and the Exploratorium. And the Exploratorium, if you went there last year, it is cool. And I used to go there. I love it as a kid. But many of those exhibits are pretty old. Um, there, yeah. There's a lot of I don't want to say wear and tear because stuff was well maintained, and they have a really neat in-house shop where they build a lot of their exhibits. But it had very clearly seen many, many hands. And and just, you know the the principle of physics always stays the same, but the way you can demonstrate that you can do new things. Yeah, and, I mean, if nothing else, in the in the 15 years between you know in the last five years, the rise of cheap microcontrollers makes the ability to make one-off museum uh, exhibits that that do really neat stuff. Much, much easier and much, much more possible. Yes. And, um, and and there are some cool exhibits and museums I've been to. Uh, so someone from the Tech Museum did reach out. Uh, one of the the, uh, the lab workers there, someone who built exhibits, and they have now a 3D printing exhibit and some new events. So We'll have to go down and check it out. Def- definitely have to go down and check it out. But in terms of the Exploratorium, um, it's interesting because they not only have exhibits, but they make exhibits and for other museums, science museums uh, like them. Yeah, there's a couple other. There's a museum in San Mateo, um, and I, I'm going to be in trouble because I can't remember what it's called. That's a, a, a kind of life sciences science museum as well. I um, can't remember. But the, but the Exploratorium, so what was the best thing we saw this morning at the Exploratorium? What was your favorite thing, Norman? So they, uh, they had, I think, a mix of 50% old exhibits and 50% new exhibits in a space that's twice as large as it used to be. Um, and some things I've never seen before, including a giant toothpick sculpture. That was pretty neat. 
uh, that took 35 years in the making. 37 years to yeah. make. Uh, I know exactly how many thousands of toothpicks. But that's more. Do you think he piece. counted the toothpicks, or you think he weighed the whole thing at the end and weighed one toothpick counted, and then divided? No, I, I think he counted. How he do you move that thing? Real carefully. Yeah. I bet that he's the only one that puts balls in it. Because if someone else messed up and knocked a chunk off, they would be like he would be really sad. Because it's a it's a kinetic sculpture. You put ping pong balls at the top. There's nine different tracks that right. go down the thing, and it seemed like he was the only one who would insert balls into the sculpture. Say that a few more times, Will. You're saying no one else wanted to put the balls into the sculpture? Uh, the coolest thing was the giant mirror. The giant mirror was awesome. So it was this huge convex mirror? Concave. Concave. No, no. It was concave. concave means going in. Convex means going in. No, convex is popping out. Okay, keep talking. I'm going to get your internet. <laughs> uh, it is a giant mirror. And when I say giant, probably like 10 feet tall and 15 feet wide. Um, that you can stand in front of. I think that's a... L- maybe, maybe... Uh, it was like 10 feet wide. It was the biggest... 10 by it was, 7. It was, was the biggest convex right? mirror I've ever seen. It's, it was actually hard Concave to, mirror. Hard to tell how big it was, because it, it, so it was kind of floating in front of a black backdrop, mm-hmm. and because your vision is drawn into... The focal the, point. Into oh, the focal points, it. you... It's really, really hard to see the edge of the mirror. Mm-hmm. And Will was... Wrong as he's just. It was a concave mirror. God, you know, you go Googling inside caves. Caves are recessed. Is that inside. how you do that? That's in is it head. the same for lenses? Is it backwards for lenses? No, it's not backwards. <laughs> it's the <laughs> same fucking word. <laughs> well, but sometimes because one is reflective and one is transmissive, it could be different. I don't know. Maybe if you look at the lens from the from. Well, the, there is the a concave side. and a convex side on a on a on, on a every lens curved usually. Surface. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, so the weird thing about it is it presented, because of the way the reflections happen, it's kind of like one of those... Here's an easy way to remember. Cave means cavity. Cav- the root for cave is cavity. So cavities are recessed inside. I, I, I will never forget this again, Norm. Don't worry. <laughs> if your contacts are con- convex, something real weird is going on with your eyeballs. Well, but there is a convex side of my contact lenses. Right, but not the side that you put into your eye. Well, you can do that, and then it'll... F- suck on but oh my god okay anyway d- but a, a it, giant it, mirror yeah it worked like the you know the illusion where you take two concave mirrors and put them on top of each other and then you put a penny or something in the bottom and it makes the penny look like it's floating at the top i would even go uh, simplify that even further and say if you look at a spoon you can if you look at a really shiny that, large that was spoon, actually the the example that the the guy right. who kind of talked to us you can kind of see uses. an illusion where the focal point um because the reflection is kind of centered uh, the focal point of the reflection is actually not on the surface of the the reflective surface. It's away from it, more on the the plane around the edges. Um, that's where your reflection appears to be. If yours to be in floating in space, and th- the location and size of that reflection shifts as you move further and away from uh, the mirror, and from th- which angle, which is for that size of a, a mirror, really, really dis- it was really disconcerting. When you're about like four feet away from it or so, it looks like your reflection or whoever's reflection you're looking at is just floating way right. it's like, out It's like a perfect hologram. Right in front of you, yeah. Well, and the other weird thing about it is because of the concave nature of the mirror, it also reflects sound. So yes. if you got to a point where you looked like you were talking, where it felt like you were talking into the reflection's ear, you could whisper and that person could hear you, yeah. even though they were maybe 10 or 12 feet away. It was super, super trippy. Um, there was a bunch of other stuff. I shined a flashlight at it, 
and they almost blinded a guy. It got real focused pretty far out. But it was fine for you, right? Yeah, it was cool. That was good. You know, that, that guy doesn't need eyes anymore. Um, what else do we see? They have, um, uh, they had a really cool augmented reality display where they were project where they had built a topographical, an accurate topographical map of the San Francisco Bay area, including the floor of the bay and the surrounding mountains and all that stuff. It was a, a stuff. milled piece of wood. Yeah, it was a huge milled piece of wood. It was a big project. Um, and then they set up a projector over top of it with a with I assume some sort of lensing to make the there was a mirror. perspective correct. There was yeah. a mirror that it was bouncing off of. Yeah, and and were able to display um, like augmented reality. They were able to display both live data, like actual live salinity data from the bay on this on this table, um, as well as like fog maps and population density stuff. And I. Assume a bunch of other things in the future, yeah, but that seemed what they like they could right easily now. do a, a kind of any sort of map topic that you would have. Yeah, you know, population was one of it's one kind of, of traffic look real cool exactly. at night. Yeah, the, the dark, the room was dark, and uh, the projection was real bright. It was a hella bright projector to be and, as bright as it was. And at since the time it's we were video, there. like traffic is one of those things that you could have just right. being totally dynamic and traffic and weather together on the nines. Pretty cool. It was. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty neat. I mean. The, the Bay Area is really big, so even as large as that map was, I don't know if the resolution would be. It, it wouldn't be useful to right. see traffic, but it might be. It might look cool. Yeah, but yeah, it yes. certainly would. Well, you could be show practical. the inflow and outflow of people throughout the day. I, I want to know whether you could develop a physical structure that would transform, kind of like one of those, um, like the pin board, yeah, like uh, a pin board, but have a surface on top of that that would be nice and reflective for projector, a projector. Um, the first so thing I thought when I looked at it was like it would be really cool if the surface moved, could, could change. Yeah. Based and also on the software was aware of that, so it could deform the, the projection to match that. And that way you would have things like Avatar. You lost 3D me maps there. And Avatar. Yeah, but those were holograms. To find the, the unobtainium. I want to say that there was something that did the pop-up, um, the, the pop-up 3D displays. That was in a movie at some point. I don't remember. It was a Mission Impossible movie or something like that. Um, I thought that was really cool. I um, yeah, I guess that was it. I can't think of anything else. But it was it was a it was a fun stop. It was definitely worth going to. I think they opened for real on April seventeenth. Oh, the fog machine, which I didn't actually get to see working. Did either of you get to see it working? No. So they have um, if fog you live art. Yeah, if you live someplace that gets hot and is dry, like Texas or Arizona or New Mexico, then you will be familiar with misters. And those are things that are basically like PVC pipe with high-pressure water in there and little tiny pinholes that blast water out, and that, that condenses. The water evaporates, and that cools the air. Is it like going to a grocery store and going to the produce department um, and seeing the produce misted? Much finer mist than that yes. is my guess. So... Um, and then this, I think, would probably be even finer than the mist in the in the in Arizona, because um, they were talking about atomizing water to produce the same size droplets as you get in fog, and basically they can make fog with water anytime the the atmospheric conditions were right. Um, and it's and it was surrounding of, a bridge, so basically the bridge would look like it was engulfed in fog. Yes, uh, I want to see that pier. happen. I want I want to see I want I want to fog go to there. Just a cloud on the ground, pretty much. And also, Will and I played some Pac-Man. We played four-player Pac-Man. I'd played that someplace before, but I don't remember where. Maybe it was at the Exploratorium. I don't think that was at the Exploratorium before. It looked too new. Um, but I have no idea where it was. <laughs> it's four-player Pac-Man where one person controls up, one person controls down, one person controls right, one person controls left. Maybe it was at the um, Mountain View Compu- Computer Museum. 
Computer History Museum. We were at least better than those six-year-olds we watched playing. That is true. We did manage to eat all four pellets and almost get all the ghosts once. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. Also, it was non-canon Pac-Man. Yeah. It was a non-traditional map. I don't know how I feel about that. It was the wrong aspect ratio and everything. Um, so, yeah, that was that was the Exploratorium. Uh, I've been doing more Arduino stuff. The first of those posts should go up this week, assuming that I get time between now and Thursday to write it. And Tetris shelves. Um, the Tetris shelves, I just have to take pictures. I can't. I still can't lift the, the shelves apart. So, um, Norm, Norm, have you talked about the Roku at all on the show yet? Yeah, we talked about it uh, okay. last week and the week before. Yeah, there's a quick... We, we, we haven't we shot have that shot, yet, have we? We this week. I've, I've been using it some, and... I, I like we have it. All, we have all the devices to be to, to set this. Like we have we have an Apple TV. Oh yeah. We have a WD TV and we have a Roku box and we have a cable box and an Xbox and. Do you have a second gen Google TV? Uh, we do not have a Google TV. I think that's probably um, okay. And it's one of those things that we have watched lots of different type of media on different type of services, and it is there is one box we go to because it is going to be the one that's going to either play the file we want or be the easiest way to play that. Play the uh, get, get access to Netflix or something, and so which one is it? Well, no one box dominates everything. Oh, right. I really like how fast uh, the Roku is for searching um, both like Amazon and Netflix and like Crackle free movies, like all at once, like that, right? right? Yes. Does it all at once, uh, and it does that so well, in fact, that it actually really made me want there to be more to the Roku interface in terms of having like. Uh, an, a queue, a Netflix queue, or whatever. Content except, queue. Like a right, meta queue. Exactly, a meta queue. So that when I run a search for something and I find, okay, this movie is on one of these services, bookmark. but it's two hours and I don't really want to watch yeah. the whole thing. I want to be able to bookmark it and save it. To their credit, when you do searches, it, it does actually yours. save like recent stuff. Yeah. Um, the problem is also you can't pull up search at any time. Yeah. And the search oh, you is have not to very be on the deep. home screen? Yes. And yeah. you can't, it's not very deep. So that if I search for an actor and I, I can't, it'll show a list of movies he's in. But then if I want to go further and say, find other actors in this movie and then go do they, the IMDb thing that that uh, they TV definitely does. got well the, and Apple TV like they got the search, they got the performance right on the interface. Like it runs well. It can still be faster. It's not. It's, it's, yeah. It's not slow, but. It's one of those things where I can easily imagine it being faster. It's, the ah. interface is pretty good. I just think they need they needed more like features to kind of wrap around all the stuff that they're trying to tie in together. How how's the app quality on that platform? Like, is it consistently pretty good between like Netflix and HBO Go and Crackle and all the HBO other weird Go stuff? Work on Comcast still. Oh, that's right. Uh, well, one of the advantages of it is if you use the search, it doesn't matter. Because you don't. So you really just jump straight to the piece of content. Yeah, you could do that on the Xbox too. You know, because if you Bing something, then it'll take you directly into the app that has that. Although I don't think it is specific to what like what you've installed and set up on your machine. The app experience is consistent. There. It is. It, it is consistent. It, there's a design language. The and Amazon all that. video player is pretty ass. Like the use the interface for it, but I'm not oh, sure. Is ass good or ass bad? Pretty fast. Oh, fast. I said ass, actually. Oh, ass? But I, yeah. it's bad. Like, the, oh. the I didn't design... Know if this was like a bad is good thing. Yeah, the or... design of it is really bad. Um, I mean, it the video, like, quality is fine. But it's just like the background is this really ugly gray. And it's... The navigation on it is... At least in, in my experience, when I, like, try to scroll through the, mm -hmm. the cover, you know, cover flow or whatever they call it, it'll just, like, not load a bunch of the covers... Oh, that sucks. Um, yeah, so the 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 Amazon app definitely needs work, but I think I think that's kind of 
common for them, right? Like the Amazon Prime video is great on the Kindle, you know, Fire, it's, it's, and it sucks on everything else. In terms and even of, on the Kindle Fire and even on the iPad app, it's done in a way to mask the fact that their content selection is not just not as good, not as deep as Netflix's is. It's getting pretty good, though. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's, they're they're pretty close. A lot of top layer stuff. And same with Netflix. I'm, Netflix is not that. Yeah, Netflix exactly. Netflix of 2013 is not Netflix of 2010. And I think a lot of Netflix's just quantity comes with like a lot of crappy B movies that nobody actually wants to watch or a lot yeah. of te- and a lot of episodes of television shows. Yeah, it's almost it's dominated by television these Prime, days. Prime has scored a lot of the really like they've got West Wing and I mean they have a lot of really good shows. They've got Justified. Um, so I think they're doing pretty well. I want the most recent season of Archer. Not anywhere yet. You mean the one that's currently airing? It's airing right now. I know. Buy it. Yeah, I don't care that much. Pirate it. Don't care that much. I don't pirate stuff. Um, uh, Fitbit Zip. Can't you just DVR it? Don't you have? I yeah, but I I missed the first like five episodes, so now I have episodes five through twelve or whatever we're on now, and there's been no reruns. It's a real problem. It's your fault, basically. The challenges I face. Fitbit Zip, we, I think we've talked about this a long time ago, but it's basically a little tiny Fitbit. It's about the size of a quarter, um, and it uses a watch battery and low-power t- low Bluetooth, so you don't have to change the battery, but every maybe five or six months. Um, and it does all the stuff that a Fitbit does except for the sleep tracking. I, I thought it was quite good, and it's like 50 or 60 bucks, so uh, there'll be a video with that. Uh, sleep soon. tracking uh, and monitoring um, Do any of those a, work a pseudoscience. Well? Anyway, it's, it's not it's Well, not so proven. is the... So is the, the so the foot the the pedometer stuff the converting pedometer hits and your height into calories burned is more accurate than that, but the sleep tracking just tells you how much you move during the night. That's all that the Fitbit and it did. Varies so much from person to person. At least with the pedometer and 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 um, and tracking, even if the numbers aren't absolutely right, they're they're, they're in the relative. ballpark. Yeah, and so you can say I walked twice as much this week as I did last week That's and show true. the improvement with sleep. I mean. It, I don't. I'm very skeptical. So I found well. So with the fuel band, it just offers you a sleep number, right? Like a fuel score for sleep or something. You're talking about the jawbone up. Oh, the jawbone up. It doesn't. It doesn't give you like a minute by minute. Well, that's the wake up thing. That's different. What I'm talking about is the minute by minute kind of. It does have a chart showing you over the course of the. Here's how much you moved. Uh, This is you've rested well, meaning you didn't move. Oh, you were stirring. You were dreaming. Huh. So it's supposed to be able to track REM. Huh. And, some and you find it doesn't? I, I'm unconvinced that that is what's actually happening. I would uh, really like how, a how device I I'd, I'd, that I'd, could could wake me up like exactly eight hours after I fall asleep. Because I, I don't go to bed at the same time every night and like don't that's fall not asleep how That's not how your quickly. body works, though. Yeah. That's true. But, it, I mean, there has been plenty of like, studies or whatever that oh, talk God, about getting, getting a a consistent... Eight hours. Pe- period of time, even if it's not specifically eight hours, like sleeping seven hours every night is is just better for you than sleeping f- three hours one night and then nine hours the rest of the week or something. Like, mm-hmm. the the more consistent you are, the better. And I guess I'm, pr- I'm pretty good about that in general, but I, w- I would love something that could regulate that accurately. I've gotten to a point where my snooze alarm at 6 o'clock, does n- no lo- has zero effect anymore, meaning that I do not remember turning that alarm off every morning. But it I, happens. I haven't turned on an alarm in three months. Well, because you, you have a baby. Right. Well, and even before then, the dog usually just wakes me up. Um, 
Somebody put Bioshock Infinite on this list. Do we want to talk about Able? We've talked about Able Brewing, I feel like, at length. Um, it's nice. It's it's good. I don't think it's, it's really expensive. How about Bioshock Infinite? Well, yeah, I was really good until the Would You Kindly moment. And then I was like, eh, that's not so good. Wait, that's the first Bioshock. Um, that's the do best we want to moment. talk about this? Yeah, that was the best moment. Everything after that was kind of bad. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I liked most of the stuff after that right up until the last fight which was off, like everybody i have not played that game in long enough that i do not feel there's like the, the little sister escort mission stuff is okay we're, no we're not talking about it we are not talking about it we're not talking joey's about getting it. ready to leave not talking about it joey's played you played the first bioshock he hasn't played, I mean, uh, the most recent one he's played infinite yeah. it's really Sorry, good i it's pretty good it has problems but i kind of don't care because the rest of it was good enough that I, you know. I loved the narrative and thought that it was done extremely well. And mm-hmm. I liked both the shooting and the narrative. The shooting kind of bored me. I liked that there was enough juice, mana, whatever, that you could actually use the powers in this game. Because when I played Bioshock, I couldn't use the powers because I had any juice. Of, they're kind of boring, though. I like the crows one. It's they're, real freaky. Like five of them are stuns. Well, that is... A, the game is all about crowd control. Yeah. The combat I mean, is about crowd control. The I guess the biggest factor for me overall is like in addition to the shooting, it, it very much felt like a game that took five years to make and that they had many, many ideas uh, for things that you would potentially do in that world and how you would play it in addition to the combat. But what you, yeah, what you were going to do mean like and, the... in terms of exploration and how you would interact with the environment and eventually just had to streamline down yeah. to not really have much of that in it at all. Yeah, I felt like the tear thing was pretty underdeveloped. Like, the well, tears well, in I think combat. we're getting into t- too much detail. Did did horses ever come back in? Horses? The horse. Oh, thing. I remember the horse from that trailer. No, it was in it was in the game, too. It's, Where not, was not, it? Not as an actual... Not really. Yeah, not, just see, early on. Oh, I don't remember the horse. Oh, the robot horse. Yeah, well, let's stop talking there. Anyway, it's just kind of a... Th- it's just well, I'm glad we brought this up. It's a fun. It's a fun game. It um, it is really well written, and I mean, you will beat it and you will think about it, like which is something that not a lot of games can say. I can't say any. I can't say what I want to say without pissing people off, so I'm not going to say anything about spoilers. Um, I have had. I got a really dumb product in. It's like a super dumb product. You, I thought uh, you 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 thought about it and then you chose to get this in. Dumber I, than we toe had shoes. A, I, and uh-huh. I said dumber than toe shoes. Toe shoes are awesome. Dumber a. than toe shoes. Yes. So a, a the, the the product was offered and the fine folks at Kohler said, "Hey, we have a shower head that you might be interested in." And I was like, "This is the weirdest PR pitch I've gotten in ages." But okay, let's see where is this it, goes. Is it like the shower head that Kramer gets out of the back of the car in Seinfeld? And he's like... It's not a black market like, shower head. You can't handle that one. And Kramer's right. like, give it to me. Give it to right. me. And I said... Norm said, if you want to do this, it's on you. It's on you, Will. Yeah. Um, so I got the Kohler Moxie. I hope it's Kohler. It is the bolder look of Kohler. The bolder look of Kohler. Um, it is a shower head with a Bluetooth speaker in it. So this is the actual <laughs> shower head that replaces... I took off my head. real shower head. Oh, my God. I only have one shower. Where am I going to do it? Hook it up to a hose? Um, so the shower head is a pretty good shower head. Does it do several modes of... No, it's, uh, not, like a, it's not like a sex shower head. It's just a normal one. You don't, you don't have the, the, like the different What the pressures? fuck do I look like? No, I have... Oh, I have the water you shoots have the, out. You have the different modes, I've, right? I don't think it yeah, does. Yeah, you do. I yes, don't think you, so. Yes, you do. No, I, yes, I'm going to go ahead and tell you what... Uh, hold on. Let's let's play... Let's play when I built Norm house. and the guy who sold the faucets for the rooms that aren't Norm's. Hey, 
Uh, I'm the plumber. You're going to be Norm. I'm okay. the plumber. Uh, uh, now, there's a bunch of choices here on the shower heads. These are $50, and uh, it's a really nice shower head. It has one setting, and water comes out, and you can get clean with it. And then let's see. Here's the, cheaper on that. Here's FYI. the upscale shower head. It's $150 and it has Those six modes. And it has like an arm that comes off so you yep. can you can do your back and, and like get into crevasses that's and stuff the, like that. That's the third shower head. Right. That's the third one. The one on the arm? That's yeah, the third that's one. That's the two. You have a tub, the faucet, the oh, shower head, I, oh. and then the f- thing. I have. You have three? I have three. So, so, so Norm, I, Norm bought the Norm bought the Mercedes Benz for his room and bought the Chud as, as shower the third car for everyone no, else. No, no, no. Everyone was taken care of. I know for a fact I that your shower, you. you can twist it and you get at least four I mean, modes of, of m- water. Most of them, it's very much just like the face or something that you turn. Yeah. And you turn I've, the face and you get either the high pressure jet. Yeah. You get the wide. The, the wide, the normal, normal, the default. You get the normal with a jet in the middle. Yeah, I don't like that one. Or you get my, the champagne. What's no. the champagne? That's you like, making it rain in there? That's that's like a. It's called. It's it's more bubbly. It's like they they. I don't know what do you, they do. Does with your it? shower head have champagne sh- mode? Wes? I have a normal ass shower head setting, and I have not touched it. You should try that. That's that's uh, a ben- that's a perk I, you are I, not using. I will say that you should charge him extra w- for that. One of the. The greatest moments of like luxury I have ever experienced was going to Maui and staying in a condo there, going into the the bathroom, the shower, and it having two shower heads. Oh, and front then, and back, <laughs> or left and, and right? Using <laughs> using both shower heads. Wow. And so I have that. Yeah. And also Do you have steam? When, no, when you buy no, I don't have steam. When you buy shower heads, you also <laughs> buy the diameter of the shower yeah. head, which the, the bigger the diameter, the more expensive it is. I have that, I have the three jets on the side. Did you do the rainfall? And I have the rainfall. So you okay, and so let me you, tell you this. But so the you rainfall, have dual in your in your shower? I try. What the fuck? But the rainfall I told you you got fucked, dude. The rain well master bedroom. The rainfall is the biggest waste of money. Of that water. is the one. No, no, waste of that. That one is the most ineffectual and the yeah, because it's impossible. Like it's it how do you is like how do you get your you, armpits uh, clean? How do you get the all, soap all off? All it does it's like, is like oh, I can't see anything. I can't see anything. Yeah, because with the shower head, you duck in. Yeah, you know, and then you wash. You're in and out. But with the rainfall, it's like, it's like being in rain. Do you turn them all on no. at once? God, no. Have you ever? Yes, I have. Was it a good moment or a scary moment? No, it's fine. Use a lot of water. Yeah. Um, shower or a tub? Uh, it's a shower and a tub. So yeah. the shower and a tub in it's one, or there's a in shower one. and a no, tub? No, it's in one. Yeah. Okay. So I, I don't have the, both the shower and the tub. That would be okay. crazy. Um, so you have the Kohler. The Kohler Moxie. So which is a regular-ass, regular shower, no different modes or pressure. It is, it is a single, it is just spray. It's just okay. for cleaning yourself. It's All not right. for doing any okay. extracurricular activities. There's no rain. Okay. Um, but... In, in in like there's a there's a concave crevasse in the center of the of the shower that a conical shaped Bluetooth speaker that's about wireless Bluetooth speaker Bluetooth wireless Bluetooth speaker it's about um I don't know it's probably about the size of a donut maybe a hamburger I'm hungry right now by the way hamburger shower a uh, hamburger it's about hamburger size and it's, it's hooks in there with magnets on the back of this thing there's a there's Are a Are you saying that there's a ch- is it electromagnets 
No, it's just magnets. Okay, so there's no chance it'll fall out and like hit you in the head. No, you'd have to really you have to kind of pull it to get it out. It's pre, it's in there pretty good. Okay. Um, on the back of it, there's a USB plug that has a rubber cover over it that you can they use to charge it. It's like a mini USB or so micro USB or something. Outside the shower. Charge it outside the shower. One charge lasts seven hours of use. I've charged it once so far and haven't run out of battery Does yet. Does the shower operate without? The speaker inside. Yes. So you can take the speaker out of the shower. You can put on the, like, sometimes if I'm listening to something and the sound gets quiet, so it's not in the middle of the flow, then I take it off and put it on, like, the little shelf where my shampoo is on the other side of the shower. So it's a waterproof speaker. It is a... fits inside a shower head. Yes. Now, here's a question. If, because it's taking up surface area... Yeah. I assume that you only get the ring of water in your shower head. Well, but the ring of water is all my shower head had... It's a normal. It's a normal amount of water coming out wow. of the shower. It's a quite nice shower head. Like it's oh, much better head. than the one we had before. I'm sorry, because when I think of shower head, I don't think the ring of water. I think it fills up everything in the middle as well. Well, I mean, I we don't have the fucking Cadillac of shower heads no over champagne. there. No Okay, right. so um, so there's one button on it. Basically, the one button is what you use to turn it on and pair it and turn it off. It's a it's a neat idea. It's much much more useful than I thought it was going to what be. What you're saying is you need to t- start playing music on. Yeah. Your phone or your iPod with Bluetooth before you get into the shower. Yeah. Dry, preferably. I do that while I'm brushing my teeth. And then when you get in the shower, you press the button to sync, to activate the sync, and then your music no, starts no, no. playing. So what I do is I turn the, before I turn the shower on, I turn on the speaker and start playing, playing music, or usually I'm listening to podcasts. So you're reaching into the shower to press the button to sync it. Well, okay, so my sync is right here. I'm brushing my teeth. I reach up and hit the button. It's not a big okay. it's not a big endeavor. And then the experiential question is what is the experience of listening to music coming at you where the water is coming from? Um it depends on what you listen to. So most of the music I've listened to has been the um, water is singing to you. Our podcasts pretty hard to hear so the, voices, I would think. So like I haven't been listening to that much music in the shower because it's usually not like I like to put on headphones and do the whole thing. This is the adult equivalent of those toothbrushes. You keep, you keep asking questions and don't let me I'm, finish. I'm, this is the adult equivalent of those toothbrushes where you, it, Justin Bieber's song plays and lets the kids know how long they should brush their teeth. No, it's not like that at all because this doesn't stop by itself after 20 minutes or five minutes or however long I'm saying that you, mentally, do you, do you measure your shower time now based on songs? If I get... Well, so I've been listening to podcasts mostly, which is a little bit weird, it turns out. Because like, if you're soaping yourself up and listening to the giant bombcast, it's not an ideal listening you're experience. Yourself. Right. Why? <laughs> right. I'm naked in a room where it rains. <laughs> While listening to Ryan While Davis. listening to Ryan Davis. You've done, not, that, you've done that before, though, right? Well, I mean, you know, just recreationally. This was for work. Um, so, yeah, it's... The, there's a couple couple of big problems with it. One is that there's no way to control volume while you're in the shower. Like, had they just put an accelerometer in the in the pill that goes into the center of the of the shower head, so like you could rotate it and turn the volume up, or rotate it the other way and turn the volume down, that would have been a huge improvement. Version two. Um, the other thing is that the the power button doesn't actually pause or play. You know how if you're in a car with Bluetooth and you you usually when you sync up the Bluetooth thing the car also automatically just starts playing whatever the most recent thing was. This doesn't do any of that stuff. So if you get in the shower before you turn on the music, you're boned. You um, want capacitive controls on the, on the shower. I don't, I don't need capacitive controls. I just want that one button to, to also sync, sync and connect and play, not just connect. Play slash pause. Um, it doesn't turn itself off if you're not playing anything. So like, mm-hmm. I left my um, iPad connected to it, and it drained the iPad battery over the course of a day. 
um, which is a little bit of a bummer. Uh, it should turn off if there's no music coming out. I mean, that Sounds that should be litany of errors. It was really unfortunate because like Gina was in the bathroom brushing her teeth or something. I was typing on the iPad and she kept she came out. and She was like, "I'm hearing iPad typing sounds just in my head now." It's not. What are you watching? Something's weird. Um, I like the concept. It's it's much like I thought it was a really goofy concept. In, in high school, uh, one of my best friends had, like, obviously lived with his parents because they're in high school, but yeah. they had uh, a a duplex. I guess the right word for it. He had he had basically his own house. Yeah, like separate from them. He had his own bed, like two bedrooms, oh, his own really bathroom, his own living kids. room. It was it was pretty awesome, uh, and he like scavenged the speakers from an old PC. And he already had computer speakers for, like, his regular computer, so he just put them in his bathroom and would just listen to music or whatever and, like, I think take getting, showers. getting a dock and in your bathroom in the corner where it's dry and putting speakers there. So, but I don't think a dock is going to last long because it's if you steam up the shower, steam up the bathroom when you take a shower, that that will that destroys stuff. I don't think we need to listen to music in, in the, while you're showering. I, I, I kind of, like... On a metaphysical level, I tend to agree that we do not have enough quiet, no screen time in our lives at, at, in 2013. However, it was nice to listen to podcasts in the shower. I, I think there's a big difference between like always on exposure to the internet and just like listening to I wish, music. I wish it does I mean, have a radio tuner built in. Does not have a, no. It's just Bluetooth. So you've had a radio tuner built in. That'd, that would be more what radio is better than choosing the content you listen to? Yeah, because then I don't. Last thing I want to do is have to pick a song or pick something. I just have a playlist in Downcast. It's the podcast I listen to. I play that every morning. It pipes out, and I get to listen to Roman Mars, and then it goes over but, to but something listen, else. But and then the way I listen to radio else. is that I can. And it's I'm, Radio Lab. I'm, ex- I'm accept, it's accepted. And then it's Ryan Davis. Listen to radio in and be cut off in certain increments. It sounds like your own personal prejudice. Yeah. How much does this cost? I have no idea. I bet, <laughs> I, bet it's, I, I, I bet it's $250. I guarantee it's going to be if, more if than $200. If my fancy bucks. champagne shower head is $150, bucks, which I, I'm not exactly sure how much it was. I bet uh, your, your fancy champagne shower head was way more than $150. Bucks. You I, have no idea. Because your I, fancy I, champagne shower head probably came with the, do, the knob, which is also $150. Bucks. The, the knob, the, lots of hardware, bathroom hardware is expensive. Yeah. The kitchen hardware also expensive. So it is a shower head. It's a speaker. The other thing that's nice about it is it actually sounds okay. It's not it's – obviously, it's just a little tiny speaker. Um, no, no, no. But, but I popped it out, and you have a, just a Bluetooth speaker that you carry around with you. It doesn't sound like a jam box or anything like that, but it's definitely better than those cheap, squishy, you know, analog plug-in speakers that we tested out a couple of years ago. Um it's hard to believe, but the Kohler site doesn't tell you how much this thing costs. It's just our school. I got the two-gallon-per-minute one, I Is think. Is it out already? seems like it. There's a 2.5 and a 2.0-gallon-per-minute one. It was really easy to install, too. Changing shower heads is a piece of cake. If you don't like your shower head, it's no problem. Uh, it's uh, $199. So that, that's bucks. actually... Like I feel like that is a probably an appropriate price for this thing, given how much jam boxes and stuff like that are overpriced. So Assuming it holds up. So it's less overpriced than really overpriced things. Well, you get a shower head and a Bluetooth speaker. I don't know what a, what a shower head costs. A single function shower head. The memoirs single function 2.0 gallon per minute shower head is 100 bucks. So it's 100 bucks extra to get music in your, in your shower. I wish it had the volume knob. I wish you could turn it to adjust the volume. That would be awesome. Does, oh, are there lights? It has a little blue light on the button that lets you know it's on. Sound, sounds like a pretty solid version 2.0. It, 
Because I feel like you could see it changing lights because water, light, LED lights through water. The people who would like listening to music, you think that you think a laser light show in there would help? So you're saying make it light? cheesier and then you're in? No, no, I'm saying making it cheesier and then you're really going all the way. Norm just needs the champagne mode and the rain flow in order to, to get in on this. You'll only listen I'm to shock that no one here predetermined knows what the, the music mode is. I bet if you search it, champagne showerhead mode, you'll know what I'm talking about. Do you want it to look like a lava lamp and and change it's colors kind of, appropriately? The bubbly. You got the grow. It can only play 70s disco. Wow, this looks like a... Uh, mm. Wow, it was $339? What was? Your shower head. Is that it? Oh, God, no. That, that looks way fancier than... Whatever. Oh, okay. I don't think I have a Kohler one. That's a grow. The Go, champagne shower heads, grow he. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm disconcerted by this expensive shower head talk we're having. Um, yeah, I would say wait for version two, but I'll, I'll, I'm going to use it for a little bit longer. I want to see how long the battery lasts. It's lasted like two weeks already, so we're, ever, we're in good shape on that. Have you ever done the, the cold beer in the hot shower? Uh, I smoked a cigar in a shower one time. What happens if what? you drink cold beer in a hot shower? <laughs> I just heard it's really good. When I was in a... when it's I refreshing was refreshing and relaxing at the same time. I got put what? on the smoking floor of the dorm when I was a freshman in college, so I figured, fuck it, I'm going to lean into it. And it turns out you can smoke a cigar in the shower. You have to keep the cigar out of the water, obviously. I feel like the the beer shower combination. I had a beer in there too. Would be probably. improved by the the music as well. Depends on the music. Well, sure. I think if you're drinking beer in the shower, you're probably listening to Jimmy Buffett. I mean, let's just face it. That's that's. There's a strong overlap in those markets. That would be a deal breaker. For Norm me. is really broken here. He has he's we've I don't broken. Believe, I don't Norm. believe in drinking beer in a shower. Try it. I, it's nice. It's refreshing. You get hot in there. It's nice and cool. Exactly. I bet Joey drinks beer in the shower. Refreshing and relaxing. Yeah. Why would you not? A delicious cold beer. Can of beer in the in the shower. No glass. Can, in the, yeah. Totally. No glass in the shower, please. Um, I think that'll do it for what we've been testing. Uh, I'm going to play music. We'll take a couple questions. We got some good ones this week. Emails? Well, but we do the other one. Emails. It's, you know, we don't do emails. We do emails. No, 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 no. Questions. Boom. If you have a question for This Is Only Test, the email address is podcast at tested.com. Keep your questions short, under 45 seconds. We prefer audio questions, but we will occasionally read some uh, some you know, written questions. Uh, and if I can get the window open, here's the first question. Ian says, hello, Will and Norm. Have either of you ever considered getting laser eye surgery? I've worn glasses since I was about 16. I'm 28 now, and my mom was saying I should get it. I'd considered in the past, but didn't like what Wikipedia said about possible side effects and thought that if I got laser eye surgery done, after a few years, I would probably end up needing glasses again anyway. Uh, it would be nice to not have to wear glasses and be able to use things like the Oculus Rift unhindered. Here in England, I might be able to get laser eye surgery for about 1,800 pounds, uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, uh, what do you think? Norm? Uh, eventually, yeah. Have you like been tested? I have not been tested for it. So I've been tested. I've gone through the whole thing a couple of times over the I know years. You cannot get it. Well, I can. I can't get LASIK. So LASIK is the one where they cut the flap up and then carve out under the flap and then the flap glues back down. And you down. are awake the entire time. You have to be awake for eye surgery. That is, that is the part I can, I'm not going to get over. You've never taken Valium medically, have you? Well, I guess you're on drugs. Yeah, they give you Valium, so you just don't <laughs> give a fuck. Valium and a Xanax, Your opinion usually. just 100% reversed. Mm. Right. So it's, it's still, I'm wait. I'll, I'll wait. So my dad had had that done, and he was when Catherine Stevenson, who we used to work with, had PRK because she didn't qualify for LASIK, which is what I could get. My corneas are too thin to cut the flap and do the amount of correction needed. So what is the other type of surgery? Um, so the so 
PRK is photo uh, radial keratotomy, which is where original radial keratotomy, which is what the Russians invented, was where they took a knife and cut a radial radial like radial lines coming out from the center of your pupil to correct your vision. I would not want anything Russians invented that had to do with knives. <laughs> Russians were good at it, man. They they had these surgical. This may be this may be completely untrue. I don't know. What if you sneeze? But they had they just surgical used vodka, didn't they? Like, no, they would set up like six people in a pedal configuration with the heads toward the center, and the surgeon would do one, and then roll next door and do another one. They do like six in 15 minutes. That doesn't minutes. make it sound better. They, well, they hardly blinded anybody. Hmm. Um, photo with the, with, the, with the PRK, they use lasers to do the carving. Um, the downside of PRK, and I talked to a bunch of people over the last week because we talked about this. This came up a lot after the Oculus video. Um, the recovery for PRK takes a long time, and there are some kind of gnarly potential side effects. So you could have halos around lights at night for pretty much the rest of your life. And can you be really sensitive to... Light for the that. first first short period of time to long, depending on how, how your reaction, yeah, like sunglasses. some people will, yeah, like can't be around light. When Catherine had hers done, she had to lock herself in a dark room for like four days until she could come out. Um, if you are, and then had to wear sunglasses outside for almost a year, year and a half while it healed. Um, if you get hit in the face during that period of time, bad things can happen. It's it's a it's not an awesome recovery process. But LASIK is a lot better, a lot easier on LASIK is a lot easier recovery but there's always the danger that the flap's going to peel back up on its own and then you have real serious problems as well I mean the biggest issue <laughs> yeah. with LASIK right is you're you need to have your eyesight stabilized before you get it I mean for for it to really have a lasting they they impact. want well I mean and that the thing is your vision never really stabilizes because you get older, the lens becomes more brittle and you naturally go from being myopic, which means you can see stuff up close but not far away, to um, more farsighted, which means you can see stuff far away but not up close. That's why you need the old people. Right, bifocals. so that's why you need the, the readers bifocals. or bifocals as the case may be. And um, Thanks, Benjamin Franklin. It's uh, Really, he invented bifocals? Yeah. I thought it was... Oh, I didn't know uh, Maybe that. an apocryphal story. Okay. I think he did. I might um, appreciate it as well. Anyway, yeah, it's an interesting. It, it's I haven't done it because my vision, my correction level, and my corneas are not compatible. Maybe your your eyesight doesn't really stabilize, but if it is continuously degrading significantly year over year, yeah. then it's not practical. They, they won't do it then. And there's, but I feel like for most people, there's a point where that minimizes, yeah, so and that's when you get it. For me, it was when I stopped getting taller. Like when I turned eighteen or nineteen, my prescription stopped getting worse, and then. Had a, I've had a couple of stair steps over the last 15 years, but nothing major. I would do it if I could get better on 2020 vision. So you want, like, fighter pilot vision? 2015. Yeah. Which you can do with LASIK. Yeah. If you, are, if you qualify. Yeah. If my eyesight ever goes to shit, I'll probably get LASIK. Yeah. Well, if you're farsighted and you only have to have it when, you're, when you need to read stuff, it's not that big a deal. Um, anyway, so, yeah, that's your answer, Ian. Uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, I also have contacts that I, I can't really wear very much anymore, but I would probably I'll probably bust them out for the Oculus when the time comes. Um, our next question comes from John. John from Birmingham says, "My question is, do you think the tested crew will ever make it over here to the UK to do some features on this side of the pond? You have a pretty big following over here. I'm sure it's, if you organize some kind of meetup, it would do be well attended. There are plenty of science and tech related sites for you to go and explore and document your discoveries, like Greenwich and Bletchley Park, and so on. A good excuse for you and Norm to take a well-earned holiday too. And a would you rather? Would you rather go nude, except for socks, for a month, or?" 
be forbidden from wearing socks for the rest of your life. Nude for a month, except for socks, or no socks for the rest of your life. I mean, I guess you go toe shoes for the rest of your life if you send two socks. We live in a climate where you could actually live without socks for the rest of your life and probably not lose any digits. But there's no qualifier on the where you're going nude part. So So you just say you'd work from home, take a vacation? Yeah. Or make it up around Norman Manor? Like nude beach or. I think your neighbors might, your other roommates might be upset if you were nude in Norman Manor for the next month. There are options. You wear a robe? No. Does that count? What if it's it's loose? What if it's just so you don't like have balls on the couch? I guess that would be even worse than. Or like the loose robe, yeah. Loose robe is str- is worse, huh? Because at least with all nude, someone who is, uh, does not expect it can immediately the brain reconciles that is that is a naked person. Look away, yeah, or stare with the the robe. Like you, you think you might be safe, you, and then you yeah. turn around, it's full Johnson. Yeah. Did you ever have a roommate that was a naked guy? Like I had a naked guy roommate yeah, who was like the who would like. We had like a two bedroom apartment and he would walk from the bathroom to his room just with like, like he had a towel. He could have wrapped it up. But he didn't wear it. But it was over his shoulder instead of, you know. That's called posturing. He didn't Donald think so? it. Absolutely. Ah, it was really unfortunate. He wasn't a dude that should be naked all the time either. I'm, I'm sure I had plenty of guys like that uh, my freshman year of college on the floor I was on in the uh, dorm, but not like not my roommate. So, so hold on. When you were a freshman, cause when I was a freshman in college, people would like, like there would be girls on the floor. Yeah, co-ed dorms. Co-ed yeah, dorms. co-ed dorms. Yeah, um, so. But I don't, we didn't have co-ed on the same floors, though. We had co-ed bathrooms. Yeah. We didn't. Berkeley's yeah. weird, though. We, we had separate floors for, for guys and girls, but we, it was a co-ed dorm. But yeah, at any point, so nobody would would make the transition from the bathroom to the room. Right, rarely. You'd have to be pretty drunk. I feel like some guys did. I don't think I don't think I ever I never had a walking down the hallway and like the terrible encounter with with that guy. Um, but certainly like in the bathrooms because that was just like a fucking Yeah, well in the bathrooms is a whole different thing. Yeah. Um would we ever come to the UK? Yes, we would totally come to Europe. We've been talking about it for a while. Um Going international is pretty expensive when you kind of go when you when you do stuff the way we do. Even when we go on the cheap, it's exp- it's always um, expensive. It's always expensive. I mean, there's a lot of people. The plane tickets are expensive. Places to stay are expensive. The euro is and dollar. I don't know where that is right now, but last time I looked, it was kind of gnarly. We could go it's to also Greece. a pretty big place. Let's go to Greece. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff to do. I mean, I'd love to go see. It would, it would need to be a very maximized, well planned, and thought out trip. Yes. Very little slack time. I've never been to Europe. I really want to go. You've never been to Europe. It would no. be fun. Yeah, it would be. A good, it would be good. There's lots of lots and lots of good. I love to go to Bletchley Park. I've never been there, and they they've made a pretty cool museum there. It sounds like. Um, so that'll do it for questions. If you have a question, the podcast address is podcastattested dot com. Keep your questions short, under forty five seconds, or send a written question, and I'll do a bad job reading it. We will see you guys uh, next week. Still untitled is on a brief hiatus while um, Adam and Jamie are. Well, Adam is super busy doing other stuff. Um, I mean, Jamie is too, but still untitled impacts Adam specifically. Um, and we will uh, we'll keep you posted when that's going to return. Just watch our Twitter and, and stuff like that for that information. Uh, you can find Wes's work on Tested and at the Polygon, or just Polygon. But occasionally, yeah. yeah and the Wire Cutter. Wire Cutter. Um, other places on the internets. Um, follow you at, at Wesley Fenlon on Twitter. That's me. Yeah, Norman Chan, as always. 
Uh, we'll see you guys next week. And uh, I didn't download a new outro file. So today's outro is from AKH77777 again. Hi there, I didn't see you. Pass it. Have you guys talked about this knife? That yeah. I, that I found. On we haven't talked about it, but we can. You haven't talked about it? Not in the video. Is, is this for a, a show and tell or something? It was, a, it was a gift. It's a knife that says failure is not an option. No. It's always. It's always an option. It's always an option. an option. Failure is not an option. It's, it's a different kind of opposite. knife. opposite. The diametrically opposed. I think they're both kind of creepy things to have on a knife. It's an insanely sharp knife. You should be careful. I'm not, that is not an invitation to test it because you will cut the shit out of yourself. Um, I think it's a pretty cool knife. I like it. That was good. Uh, it's from France. Um, it is. It yeah. was. It was lying on this table, open, partially open. It was. Well, uh, yeah. It was, it seems to be knives on the table every week. Can we talk about Bioshock some more. No, I think we should not spoil the Save game Joey. for people. Um, What's Joey. going on? What's uh? Are we at like three hours already? No. Two and a half hours. No, we're at. Yeah, two hours and twenty minutes probably from oh. when we started. I guess it's a pretty good show. I think we covered the outtakes with the shower talk. Really? Oh, we know now that you touch yourself while listening to the giant bombcast naked. Oh, man, I have to cut this part out. Did you guys see the? the what? Uh, what am, hold on. Why does that? Hold on. I was in the in the shower. Yes. Washing. It's not like I'm a weird never nude wearing my my my. You chose a, a very private place. I, I hit my podcast playlist and the 99% Invisible finished and Giant Bomb was next in the queue. I can't control that. I was in there. I was like, oh, shit. Hey, guys, it's Tuesday. And then, you know, luckily I got everything important soaped before that happened. And I brushed my teeth. Did you guys see the Drake Tracker 2000 Super Drake Tracker? Was oh. that X? EX. So at Giant Bomb's uh, this is the hacks dumbest Kickstarter handle. ever. They did a little bit uh, with the John Drake tracker. Mm. Dan Teasdale made to, it, right? To show where John Drake has been flying on airplanes. Yes. And he travels a lot. Yeah, and so Dan Teasdale of Twisted Pixel made a legit app version, or is going to make a legit app version. No, he's already made it. And Well, they kickstarted it, and he's getting a Unity license. Is like That's what the it's Kickstarter like money is going to. So, I'm not, so maybe he made it, and he just doesn't have the license. I think it's more than Whatever. Um, well, the pro is more expensive, pro. but the yeah. basic Unity is five hundred. So, bucks. so he's making this, uh, and apparently, there's going to be like a button uh, in the app that is an in-app purchase that you can make that buys John Drake a Diet Coke. I don't know if you what do you mean buys him a Diet Coke. Well, it will purchase the in-app purchase will cover the cost of buying and shipping a Diet Coke to John Drake wherever he may be. So someone who does fulfillment. I assume that that is probably Dan Teasdale at Twisted Pixel. Because um, it doesn't really benefit John Drake unless he has a Diet Coke while he's traveling where he is. Well, maybe, maybe it just PayPal's John Drake 75 cents. So all of a sudden there will be an account with dozens and dozens of 75 cents in it. Does this take live information? Like is it parsing his Twitter feed? Uh, so or does somebody have to manually input the data? I haven't looked at it enough to know where they're getting, like how they're getting the info, but it seems, seems like he's got it pretty well thought out. 
What's it, what's the uh, how much money are they looking for? They were looking for five hundred bucks. Five hundred bucks. And the they cost made of the eight thousand dollars, eighty six hundred dollars as of right now. As of right None now, none of this goes to Giant Bomb, Ryan Davis, or any affiliates yeah. of CBS. Okay, so what happens? To the, what, what are the what's the biggest reward? Uh, so the smallest reward is you get a certificate of authenticity. That's pretty good. The next one, uh, you get a Men of Game Development 2014 calendar. I'm, I don't want that one. The next one is the Drake Drive, which is a USB key uh, that they're going to put John Drake's face on. That was like 50 bucks. That was pretty expensive. That was like 50 bucks. Uh, so there was a, t- a tier if you pledged 550 bucks that you could get your name in the game. And yeah. it would like, yeah, in the app. And it would, I think... Like say your name every time you pressed it. It would like call call out, do a call out to you. Uh, some and kind and of only one person, only one the, person oh could. And could it get is that it one. is claimed. It was claimed very quickly. Jeebus. How much? So they what raised the eight grand. <laughs> Apparently, one of the stretch goals is Oculus Rift support. Well, they'd have to they'd have to make enough money to buy a Unity Pro license for Oculus Rift to support. Well, Unity Pro was was like the second one. Oh. Uh, they yeah, so they got Unity Pro, Android support, and now Oculus Rift support. <laughs> is it gonna be an iOS app too? Well, iOS it's is primarily yeah. Okay. Um, apparently, they're gonna add Oya support for 10K, which they will hit today probably, or tomorrow. Wow, it's 13 days to go. This is ridiculous. When Ryan said this was the dumbest thing that they've ever done, he really wasn't kidding. I don't know if it's that dumb. So does John Drake run this app also like a sp- and with a special key that would broadcast a signal to other people with this app or run a companion app or, or something? I don't know. The, the he didn't know anything about yeah. it. Yeah. Oh. The, um, the spreadsheet that Jeff and Ryan and those guys made tracking his, his travel for the last year was really dumb and really funny. If you, it, It's on... I think it's on the Kickstarter page. That may just be a link to it. I'm not sure. Um, it was it was pretty silly. Wow. Um, That's a pretty good idea. Well, did you air quote good just for the audio listeners at home? It's it's a pretty good idea. Okay. Stand by my remarks. It's a pretty dumb idea. Um, yeah, so there is a disclaimer that says the Super Drake Tracker EX2000 is not a product of, nor is it officially affiliated with or endorsed by Giant Bomb, CBS Interactive, or any of its subsidiaries or affiliates. Accordingly, Giant Bomb will receive no funds contributed to the Kickstarter, nor any in-app purchases made with the Super Drake Tracker EX2000. This goes double for any companies that I, Dan Teasdale, have been at or am currently working for this is a personal project or does not represent or constitute a product of my current employment. It's dumb. It's real dumb. Um, How come there's only 13 days ago? Half a month? I think they, uh, they yeah. yeah, there's a lot of people are doing that. Um, oh, this is, it's probably worth mentioning. The, the um, eminent domain Kickstarter is going, is wrapping up now. So uh, the expansion for that, if you want to get in on that, you'd need to do it like now because uh, there's a day, it'll be done by the time you hear this actually. So sorry about that. Veronica Mars, the movie has like three days ago. How, but it, they ended up with like $11 million? No, Four they actually... Or five? Yeah. It, it oh, it slowed down? Yeah, it didn't sustain the way the, the Pebble or the, the Oya did. Huh. Um, which I I think is okay. Is it Oya um, or Ouya? Ouya, whatever. It's Ouya. Who cares? You hate it, Wes. <laughs> Julie Irma Just cares. tell us, man. Um, uh, yeah, I, I'm really curious with that project, and they'll probably never really get into like exactly how much of the money 
uh, is going to come from Warner Brothers versus how much is going to come from the Kickstarter in terms of them making that movie. Like, if Warner Warner is going dis- to distribute it, like, obviously they're going to put enough they're going to put a significant amount of money into it in general that mm-hmm. it makes sense that they would probably, you know, kick in 10 or 20 million bucks to make the movie. Um, but I mean, from the way they've written the updates in the Kickstarter campaign, like they make it sound like, you know, every extra million dollars they get from fans will affect the size and scope and everything in the movie. So it's, it's hard to say. I mean, obviously they want as much money as they can get. Um, but I'm excited. I love Veronica Mars. I like the first season of Veronica Mars a lot. We've talked about this. I think that'll do it for us today. Um, We'll see you guys next Thursday with another edition of This Is Only a Test. 